Welcome to another episode of Talk More Talk, a solo Beatles video cast. This is a bi-weekly show that happens every Monday night at 9 p.m. Eastern in which we talk solely about the solo careers of the Beatles. Once in a while, we'll talk about the group, but for the most part, it's a discussion on the Beatles solo careers. I'm Ken Michaels. I'm one of the regular co-hosts of the show, also known for my syndicated radio Beatles show called Every Little Thing. Also, another podcast show that I do on the Beatles called Things We Said Today. And on today's show, we're going to be doing a special tribute to John Lennon, as this will be the Monday before uh, the December 8th anniversary of his passing. So uh, along with my co-host and a special guest, we'll all be remembering that night and talk about what John Lennon has meant to all of us. So to join me on the show tonight, we have our regulars. First of all, we have uh, the queen. The queen. We call her Her Majesty, actually, here on the show. When and it comes she is to... a pretty nice girl. <laughs> <laughs> or but she's queen. got a lot to say on this show. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, of Beatles Media, social Beatles Media, and also the author of Songs You Were Singing, Guided Tours to the Beatles' Lesser Known Tracks, and Michael Jackson FAQ, all that's left to know about the king of pop. She's got to make her book title shorter. <laughs> Let's welcome Kit O'Toole to the show. Hi, Kit. Hello, everybody, and uh, welcome, welcome. Thank you. I should also note that uh, you mentioned uh, Thriller. This is also the anniversary of the release of Thriller wow. uh, tonight. Oh, okay. So oh, that was man. 1982. I had no idea. Right? Two. <laughs> yep, 1982. Yep. 38 years ago. Today. Big album. Big album. Okay. Yep, indeed. <laughs> also on the show, we have one of the regular co-hosts of a solo Paul McCartney podcast called Two Legs, which he hosts with Annie Nichols. He's putting out more shows at rapid fire right now. As soon as I put the homepage on on YouTube, it's all Two Legs shows. I don't know if you've noticed this or not. Let's welcome yeah. Tom Hunyadi to the show. Hello, Ken. Hello, uh, Kit, Joe, and uh, mystery guests. I hope you all are doing well. <laughs> also on the show is uh, Joe Mayo, who you know as Mean Mr. Mayo, who has his own YouTube channel. He's been doing it for a long time. And I think he just reached, dare I say it, 10,000 subscribers. Yes, Woo! yes. Let's hear it for Joe. Thank you. Oh, yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, thank you. So it's good to be here as usual, everybody. So let's get let's go underway and start. Mm -hmm. 
And also on the show was the very first special guest we had here on our show. We like to think of him as our Bill Murray for this show <laughs> uh, on Talk More Talk. You've known him for so many years since 1978, I think it was, when, when he started working at uh, Beetle Fan Magazine as a writer, consistently writing for them. And several years back, he wrote a book called Change in Times, 101 Days That Shaped a Generation, which is all about the 101 days that followed the President Kennedy assassination and how it affected our culture here in the US. And of course, that included the arrival of the Beatles in America. And that's Al Sussman. Welcome back, Al. Good evening, everybody. Hi, Al. How, how, how are you all? Good. Great. And back by popular back. demand. Yes. Yep. Ah, well, thanks for inviting me. I appreciate it. <laughs> As I said before, uh, tonight's show is going to be a tribute to John, but as usual at the top of the show, we have a bunch of Beatle news to get to. So why don't we get started? Uh, first of all, news about McCartney 3. You know, news from two weeks ago seems like it was a year ago because there's so much that, that, that's been coming out about this album, uh, which has been delayed now another week due to unforeseeable production delays its release date is now December the 18th. And by the way, while I'm saying this, the next show that we plan to do, which is on McCartney 3, which is going to be in two weeks because the album was supposed to be out December 11th. Now that it's been delayed, our next show will be on McCartney 3, but the following week. So it'll be three weeks from today. So keep that in mind. Okay, folks? Paul's fault. It's all Paul. Or it's December Paul. 21st. Yep. Right. Okay. McCartney 3, in addition to all the colored vinyl versions and standard vinyl and CD versions, will also be available on cassette. Uh, this is what happened shortly after our last show, the announcement of all these new CD bundles that you can buy. The CDs are for four different colors, and each color will come with a bonus demo track. There's one different track for each color, and there are a variety of bundles you can get for each color coming with uh, either a mask for COVID-19, a t-shirt, a pouch with the McCartney three dice and a cap. And uh, I'm also told that you can purchase the CD separately. Right. Okay. And there's two versions of that as well. Two versions. Cheaper versions. So, yeah, so one will be coming in a, like a little, little pouch case like this. Uh -huh. And then the other one will probably end up being a uh... A, a digi pack like like so like we're used to now so okay and certainly by the time we do the mccartney three show tom will show us every version of every pretty much <laughs> pretty much i'm already Vinyl. 10 deep, I'm already <laughs> 10 deep. <laughs> um, in addition to this last monday it was announced that another colored vinyl edition had come out this one's in deep orange they say it's a limited edition but it doesn't tell you how many were made it is available at youdiscovermusic.com. That's the letter U, discovermusic.com. But wait, there's more. They just released a CD, what they call an SHM CD version of McCartney 3 in Japan that has all four bonus tracks that you can order. Another EP from Paul that he did for Spotify just came out last Friday. He seems to do this on Fridays, this time with the theme of family, including six songs, Mama's Little Girl, Deliver Your Children, Put It There, Heaven on a Sunday, Bip Bop, 
and Little Woman Love. Before this, Paul did EPs with the themes for home and the holiday season. Okay, following the November 10th YouTube premiere of the newly remastered Rupert and the Frog Song, on November the 10th, YouTube premiered the new remaster for the video for Paul's coming up. Again, very sharp and just so clear. Excellent job on that. Kind of makes me wonder if we're going to get uh, a McCartney years. I hope remaster. so. That'd be great. Yeah, that'd be but great. They... Keep sneaking out all these different videos remastered from time to time. Mm -hmm. well, Paul is good. Oh, I'm saying it's, it is time for a part two. You know, he, he's said many, many videos since the release of the McCartney years that that can be added uh, to the McCartney years if, you know, if it does get upgraded to Blu-ray. So there'll be plenty of space. And as sure. we know, a couple of videos from uh, Flaming Pie weren't on the original release of, uh, of the McCartney years. So there's still plenty of videos to go that can be added. And I, I, I do hope it happens. So it's really cool when we Me do too. get these little, uh, you know, sneak-ins, like you said, of, uh, of videos that have been cleaned up and they, they've been looking really good. Yeah best i've seen yeah. and uh the mccartney years goes back to 2004 already yes wow god i haven't seen that long ago uh some more news on paul he was interviewed in a new podcast show which is called smartless which is hosted by jason bateman with will arnett and sean hayes it's an apple podcast haven't heard it yet hope to get around to it paul is being nominated for a grammy award did you know this for yes. best boxed or special limited edition package for the collector's edition of Flaming Pie, Paul is listed as one of the art directors for the set. There you go. Okay. I just read something and I'm not totally certain or clear about all the details about it, but there are plans uh, on the BBC to run a special of Paul at the Cavern Club from two years ago when he gave a concert for Egypt Station. And it's going to run close to Christmas time. There's also supposed to be a one-hour interview with Paul, with uh, one of Britain's best love actors and super fans, Idris Elba, which is going to air on BBC One and BBC iPlayer in December, and also on BBC Radio Two and BBC Sounds. As we hear more about this, we'll let you know, especially if it's online and if you can stream it. Okay, book news here. Author Jerry Hammack has just finished the fifth and final volume of his series on uh, his books on the Beatles called The Beatles Recording Reference Manual, Let It Be Through Abbey Road, 1969 to 1970, and that's now available on Amazon. Beatles author and historian David Bedford has a new book out called The Country of Liverpool, which explores how country music is a much overlooked influence on the Beatles and how big a part it played in Liverpool's rich music history. And may and I say, I, I actually wrote a blurb uh, for the book, so I've seen an advanced copy. Okay. And I can personally tell you, it is really fascinating. Um, you know, if oh, you're good. interested, like me, in the musical roots of the Beatles, uh, it, it's, a, it's definitely a worthwhile read. You will be absolutely amazed at the number of country bands that yeah. came out of Liverpool. It's, it's just a, a fascinating read. So I can, I can personally attest <laughs> to uh, the fact that it's a, it's a great book. Yeah. I've seen some of the articles you've written on this very theme. Mm -hmm. that 
And yep. I've done I've done themes on the radio on the Beatles and country music. So mm -hmm. yep. um, you can now get this book through Amazon and also on BeatlesBookstore.com. Also, a select number of limited edition signed copies are also available through thecountryofliverpool.com. Okay, Peter Asher's recent book, The Beatles from A to Z, A Magical History Tour, has just been reprinted in paperback. In fact, if you go to the Fest for Beatle Fans website, there is a page you can click on called Sign Books and Collectibles. With Peter's book, you can get a signed book plate with that. And so many of the current and recent Beatle books you can find on the website are signed by the author. Okay. Um, also, violinist Patrick Roberts has just released a new album called Imagine the Tribute with 11 songs, nine of which are his covers of Beatles songs, plus there's a cover of Imagine, and also Saltwater, Julian Lennon's song, which in fact has Julian on it with guitarist Tommy Emmanuel, and Julian is singing lead on it, and you oh. can actually listen to it on YouTube, thanks to John Bazzini for that information. Thank you, John. Few more new, few more news items. Brian Ray from Paul McCartney's band has a new song out called Got a New Thing, which is on Wicked Cool Records and was voted as the coolest song of the week by Little Steven for his Underground Garage channel. You can look for a new video coming, which will have Abe Laboreal Jr. in it, uh, along with another friend of Brian's, Scott Schreiner. You can pre-order the signed single at brianray.com. And certainly amongst the biggest news we've heard in the last few days was from a press release concerning All Things Must Pass and plans for there to be a major release next year. And in fact, on Friday, um, you could actually go to YouTube and listen to a remix version of the song for All Things Must Pass. And uh, what did you guys think? Because I think all of you heard it. Yeah. Um, why don't we start with you, Al? I, I thought it was it's very nice. Uh, uh, you know, it's the 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 specterization is somewhat uh, backgrounded, but uh, uh, it really emphasizes George's vocal. Yes. And, you can, <laughs> and you can hear the emotion in in his vocal. And it's uh, it's, you know, it's very, obviously very poignant because it also was released on the the weekend of the 19th anniversary of George's passing. Um, so that adds, you know, an, uh, an extra poignance, but it's I think it's very well done. Right. And also the 50th anniversary of the album. Right. Yes. Yeah, as well. Right. Kit, any thoughts about the new remix? Overall, um, I really liked it. I mean, there were some guitar parts in it, and those I'd, I'd never noticed before. Um, hmm. You know, having such a such a clean uh, mix of it. I mean, the only thing we were talking about it before we we went on the air. The only thing um, that I nitpicked about a little bit was the horns um i would have liked to have had a little bit of reverb on the horns the horns just were a little yeah. little um i don't know um 
just a little too, you know, abrupt in the mix. I'm, I'm trying to think about how to describe it. I mean, they just stood out a little too much, I, I, I think. And I love horns. We all, okay. we talk yes. about horns yeah. all the time on this show. We love horns. Yes. But, um, <laughs> but I just would have liked a little reverb perhaps uh, on them. But other than that, yeah, George's voice was stunning on this. I mean, it mm. was wonderful just to really hear it. Um, and, uh, and overall, other than the horn part, um, gorgeous, absolutely gorgeous. Okay. Tom, how about you? Yeah, I got to echo what Al said about the voice. It's very moving. Uh, I love that it's in the forefront of the, of just like how John's voice is out front there with all of his, you know, box sets that are coming out now with the Imagine and the, uh, and the uh, Give Me Some Truth box set. Just, right. uh, just love it. It's very powerful. And, and, and what Kit said, I mean, that, that was my only issue was just how the horn sounded on that mix. And it just really kind of took away from the song just a little bit. However, that that being said, everything that I loved about it is getting me really excited about this release. It's just been, you know, it's something that we've all been wanting for years. It's just like a super deluxe mega box set of, of All Things Must Pass. And and hopefully, you know, that's what we'll get. You know, all these songs that he started, you know, during that during those sessions, but you know, did later on later in years, you know. Yeah, mm -hmm. uh, I'm just really looking forward to it. But yeah, that 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 the track really got me excited for it. So good okay. job so far. Joe? Well, it's very thrilling, and I can't yeah. really uh, add more than what everyone has said, pretty much. I mean, the vocals are just really uh, prominent, clear. You can really hear George. Yeah. Uh, I really enjoyed it, and it makes me excited to hear more. You know, I never really minded uh, Phil Spector in general, his production, although there's some tracks, I think, on All Things Must Pass that beg more for a little clarity. I, I was mentioning before the show, like a waiting on you all exactly. to be able to hear the, the vocals uh, for one. But, you know, at the same time, even though I love this All Things Must Pass version, somehow I'm thinking it's not, not quite the same because, you know, I'm used to hearing it, obviously, the way it was, yeah. and I kind of missed something too. But no, but no, overall, I really enjoyed it. It made me thrilled to hear the rest of it, hopefully, coming pretty soon. Yeah. I mean, I enjoyed it. Immediately, my ears went right to George's vocals. Mm -hmm. And in particular, not only was it clear, but towards the end of the song, there are some harmony vocals that George did that I hadn't heard before. Yep. So I found that yeah. to be fascinating. I'll have to pay more attention about the horns now that you mention it. Mm -hmm. But um, with all these remixes, I'm always fascinated to hear any of this stuff. I'll never say that it's better than the original because I think Phil Spector did a masterful job on all things was passed, but it's always nice to have, you know, an alternative, just like with the Give Me Some Truth box set. All right. And uh, also, correct me if I'm wrong, Ken, there, there was no release date in that press release, right? No, no. no. But um, I will get to something that was said by Olivia, actually in an interview with Olivia in just a moment. But first I wanna just mention that uh, on Friday, it was record store day. So we did have the new release. I can always count on Tom for this. Uh, My Sweet Lord, the reissue. Nice picture sleeve there. I love that yeah. photo. And um, from what we understand, they're not saying it's a remix. Right. Yeah, in fact, we just got oh. a question from uh, from one of our viewers here, uh, from Bill Leary. He said, was it remixed or not? Yeah, and so what we is this? We were just talking about that. Right. What is What's odd the... is that the record, the, the, the supposedly, I mean, Paul Hicks is going to be doing, I right. guess, the, the album right sure. and you thinking that this my sweet lord is going to be coming from the album 
Right. So you wonder, was it remix? You know, I mean, but apparently not, because it's it, it says it just uh, on the hype sticker. It says the reissue of the 1970 Angola pressing. So if it's just taken from that, then I mean, then I would assume that it's not remixed or or remixed. But it sounds great. I mean, I heard, oh, I thought it sounded amazing. Uh, right. And I said on one a video that I made. Uh, I mean, I've heard "My Sweet Lord" how many gazillion times. Uh, yeah. I never enjoyed it more than I did on hearing that record. I really, I really love the sound of it. Yeah, that's interesting because with um, with "Give Me Some Truth" just coming out, "Instant Karma" was a single mm -hmm. that they reissued, right. but that was a remix. Right. But apparently not with this. Right. So, anyway. All right. Um, one other thing here regarding all things must pass with very special thanks to Tom Brennan, one of our uh, viewers. There was a live Zoom event that took place Friday called George Harrison Transcending the Beatles. It is almost an hour long, and it's the second episode in a Yoko Ono series of live events that is meant to be counting down to the opening of the University of Liverpool's new teaching and performance space called the Yoko Ono John Lennon Center, which will open in the fall of next year. This show is hosted by Roger Phillips. The first half of the special, they cover the Indian musical influences and the philanthropy, the philanthropy work <laughs> that uh, George did. And that is with special guest, Dr. Michael Jones of the University of Liverpool. The second half of this episode, they have Olivia Harrison being interviewed. And uh, I should also mention the first episode in this series is actually called The Art of John and Yoko, which you can also get online. Now, in this interview with Olivia, she is asked, apart from all things must pass, what her favorite solo George album is. And she cited Gon Trapo. Wow. Which wow. she referred to as a sleeper and also the George Harrison album from 1979. Wow. Oh, I mean, it makes sense. I mean, she was probably a big part of, of those songs, you know, while vacationing. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. I would imagine she probably had a lot of, ex you know, a lot of mm. input or just being around George while recording those songs. So it makes sense mm -hmm. to me. Yeah, I will agree there. Um, for the new reissue of All Things Must Pass, which they say in this interview, due out 2021, no other date, but Olivia <laughs> said there will be outtakes and jams. She said She said that Danny... And Paul Hicks have been through the uh, all the 24 track recordings and pulled out everything. Wow. And there will be a couple of CDs worth of extras. Now, the link for this special I have actually posted right on our Facebook page right before our show. And uh, I also keep it on my important links page of my website at KenMichaelsRadio.com. So in case anybody's watching this a few weeks from now and they can't find it on the Facebook page, it's also there on my website. And if you would like to learn more and make a contribution for the campaign for the Yoko Ono Lennon Center, you can visit this site. It's liverpool.ac.uk slash Yoko. One more time, liverpool.ac.uk slash Yoko. And we're gonna end our news with uh, some very sad news to report here which is on the passing of Ryan Brady. Ryan was one of the co-hosts of the Paul McCartney podcast show called Take It Away. And he was killed from a solo vehicle car crash in Glassell Park, which is in the Northeast of Los Angeles. He and Chris Mercer hosted the show. Ryan, I'm told, was only 
34 years old. And a very enthusiastic McCartney fan. Absolutely. As you know, you know, I look at all the Beatles radio shows and podcast shows as us being all one community. So we're all feeling here. And uh, we all just want to send our condolences to Ryan Brady's family, to Chris Mercer, and also to all the fans of that show. And Kit, I know that you were a guest on one of those episodes. You want to yes, say something uh, about that? Yeah, back in 2018, I, I was a guest. Uh, we discussed uh, chaos and creation. And, uh, and you know, I, of course, Ryan was in L.A., so I, I, was, I didn't get to meet him uh, personally. Uh, Chris is in, uh, he teaches at Northwestern University in Evanston, so I did uh, meet him. Uh, we were together in the same room. Um, but, uh, but Ryan, as you said, was a passionate fan, um, very, you know, funny, uh, really nice, um, you know, couldn't have been more welcoming. Um, you know, it was, it was just, uh, you know, pleasure being on that show, um, you know, just with talking Paul McCartney with, with two you know, just just students of his of his music, and uh, and Ryan just um, you know was was knowledgeable, funny, very sweet, and uh, I'm I'm just stunned. You know, I'm I'm absolutely stunned. Um, he will definitely uh, be missed by the Beatles community, the podcasting community, and as you said, send my all my my best wishes to uh, his family his friends and and all the fans of of the show definitely be missed i've heard nothing but very positive things about that show because they take you through every album of Mm -hmm. paul solo career yep track by uh, track yeah (laughs) yeah. Mm -hmm. so if you want to go that deep into it you know there's that show of course there's tom's show but uh and there's our show too but um Obviously, our condolences to uh, everyone involved here uh, with Ryan Brady and everyone involved with the show and and their fans. Okay. All right. So before we talk about uh, John Lennon and our remembrances of him in December 8th, I just wanted to point out this particular book, which came out recently for the Plastic Ono Band. Um, And we also know that the box set for the Plastic Ono Band will be coming out next year. Don't know the exact date yet. This is a wonderful, wonderful companion piece, much like the Imagine book was a couple years ago. And don't be misled into thinking this is about the album. It's about everything connected with the Plastic Ono Band. The whole concept of it, which was started by Yoko. And she just said that this should be something where it could be anything you want it to be. It could be just instruments on stage. It can be, have a revolving uh, lineup of musicians yep. that could always change. If you're singing on the record, you know, if you're listening to the record and you're singing along with it, you are part of the Plastic Ono Band. Right. It's, a, it's a conceptual thing that Yoko came up with. They talk about that in this book. They bring up all the singles that led to the Plastic Ono Band album. So you've got Give Peace a Chance in there. You've got Cold Turkey and Instant Karma. You've also got the Live Peace in Toronto album as well. For every single song that is covered in this book, you've got interview clips from John and Yoko and from musicians that were on all the songs. And it's wonderful. This not only is is a wonderful uh, coffee table book right here. If you just want to look at the pictures, but it could also be a fantastic reference book. 
Absolutely. The resource book. Anytime you want to hear something about a particular song, I could use this on my radio show. Read what John said about instant karma, whatever. It's just fantastic. And um, it really leads up. Uh, what, what I liked about it, too, was how it, you know, tells you the story of what led to the Plastic Ono Band. I mean, about the bedding and, and so right. forth. I mean, I really, that was a nice surprise that, that it wasn't, as you said, just about the album. That, that right. it really give you the context of it. So. And, it, and it's more or less the same size book as the it's Imagine book. Perfect. Right? Oh, Tom, it looks great on that shelf, buddy. looks great on the shelf I'm right next you. to the Imagine I'm book. With you. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Uniformity. So much to you guys. <laughs> but, you know, to be honest with you guys, I am kind of shocked that it came out before the actual box set. I mean, as we know, the get back book was pushed to, to, mm. to probably come out this around the same time as the, as the film and the DVD Blu-ray and whatnot. So I was kind of shocked that this came out er so early or it wasn't pushed back. So, but however, it is kind of cool because now we have the, you know, the, 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 uh, the music to look forward to even more because we've got a lot of the information in here, like Ken said, you know, talking about track by track by track, and then we can get the story, you know, behind a lot of these songs uh, before we get the music. So we'll be ready for the music by the time, you know, it gets here. Yeah, it really is as thorough a book as you yeah. can Absolutely. imagine, no pun intended. <laughs> but, um, you know, just like the Imagine book, and even the Give Me Some Truth book, it's a similar format in the sense that they go through each song and there's quotes in there from John Yoko, right. participants. And even if they don't have exact information pertaining to a song, then they have quotes from John and Yoko at that time to fill up the space. There's, right. there's, there's so many interesting interview clips all throughout this book and, um, and fantastic photos. Some of which you've seen before, plenty of them you haven't. I wanted to just yeah. point out a few here. See if you can see this on the screen. Yeah, I like that Never one. Never saw that one. Yeah, Color yeah. photo of John and Yoko. Um, and I should also say it's nice to have quotes from people like in the case of um, right. Live Peace in Toronto, there's quotes from Mal Evans. Mm. When do you ever see Mal Evans with quotes from him? Um, they have, they call this manifestos <laughs> for the plastic on all band. You really can't read it all. One's from Yoko, the other's from John with those illustrations from John as to what the plastic on all band is supposed to be. It says the band is plastic. It must be the loudest band on earth, <laughs> you know, stuff like that. Um, beautiful photo here from the bed in in Montreal. John Yoko and in front Tommy Smothers. You know, um, a poster you might not have seen before from Live Peace in Toronto, what it looked like. I'm just trying to highlight some of the things that you might never have seen before. Um, this I treasure. There are some illustrations in here from Klaus Vorman. Yes. You all know what a wonderful huh? artist yes. he is. Is that the one in the plane? Yes. Yes. There's actually yeah, this two wonderful. here. Right. This is on the plane to Toronto. Yeah. Members of the band there. And this right here is backstage at Varsity Stadium where the concert took place. Nice. Isn't that great? That's Towards wonderful. the end of the book, there's another illustration from Klaus of the band um, recording during the Plastic Ono Band album. This is a photo of the band poolside 
um, right after Live Peace in Toronto, the next day, they hung out at the promoter's house. Yeah, that's a nice picture. I still remember that one, yeah. Yeah. So you can see Alan White there. Look at that. Klaus Foreman standing up, Eric Clapton sitting down. You know, there's a lot of great photos all throughout. And, um, you know, I could spend a whole hour on this book, but we have a lot more to get to here on the show. But I would like to just add that um, I'm so grateful to Yoko that she's putting this out. Because one thing that, you know, I've learned about her, and this is certainly witnessed from the Imagine book as well, she must be some archivist. Mm. I mean, she must have saved everything. She had a sense for the historical uh, value of this later on. So many documents, photos, you know, there are um, notes that John sent to friends of his when he read the primal scream book from Arthur Janoff. He sent off copies of the book with notes to friends like Pete Townsend and Eric Clapton in there and they're in the book. So it's like everything is saved. <laughs> and, yep. you know, we're so much better for this because of, uh, you know, the fact that Yoko saved all this stuff. Mm. Uh, Al, be... there's a shout out to you from Steve Sanderson saying the ah. book featuring Al is awesome, which it is, of course. <laughs> which which we'll plug later. <laughs> yes, indeed. Don't don't you worry about that. <laughs> yeah, there's also Charles which is, by the way, Bruce Spicer's book. Should, yes, should yes, it, it is. It is, but it does indeed feature Al. Yes, yep. <laughs> you're featured in all of Bruce's books. Yeah, right. Uh, at least the the album series books, yes, right, yes. yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, very nice. I should also point out that there's lots of childhood photos of John and of Yoko in yes. the book as well. Yes, you can see uh, Yoko's parents, their wedding photo. You know, if you're interested in that, there's so much to appreciate in this book, and I highly recommend picking it up. And by the way, plug plug, on my website starting Thursday special contest to win that book i only have one copy if you want to win it go to the website kenmichaelsradio.com okay yes. so for the rest of the night let's talk about and we have all we our know. people ready to go if they have any comments or questions yes. of our uh, yes. uh, viewers like yep if you'd like to share your memories of of john um whether what he meant to you uh what um you know your your memories of him um please share them in the comments and we will get to as as many as we can uh, Long throughout time the show. viewers and first time viewers exactly yep. and yes <laughs> i also want to give a shout out to someone who's joining us for the first time tonight live dara roberts so see dara i was going i told you i would give you a shout out tonight and i did so right. dara hi dara welcome Hello. thank you for being here thank you for being here yeah instant karma baby you're a that's star right. now yeah <laughs> that's right so as you know, we are coming close to uh, that awful night of December 8th and the anniversary of that. The horror of that still stays with so many of us. And um, so I thought that I would find out from each of you what your memories are of that particular night. And uh, Al, why don't you lead things off? Okay. Uh, back in those days, uh, I was working at a record store on Fifth Avenue in New York called The Record Hunter. 
And like a lot of stores on Fifth Avenue in those days, uh, we weren't open at night. We closed at 630. Oh, wow. And this was uh, this was the night of the uh, the Rockefeller Center Christmas tree lighting. So I decided to to go on up there since it was only about eight blocks away. So uh, so went up there. And of course, and in those days, the tree lighting was it was a half hour show. It wasn't this two hour plugathon than mm. it is now is basically a couple of songs mayor Koch light uh presses the button light the tree eight o'clock boom you're out and uh <laughs> so i uh i had I was supposed to meet a couple of friends there we didn't really make connections i stopped in the the sam goody and rockefeller center weren't there so i just backtracked to the port authority bus terminal and back home to uh to new jersey and uh, after i got on uh, got home i got on the phone with a friend um who uh, at that point bruce springsteen was playing a series of shows at the at the old spectrum in philadelphia mm. and my friend had seen him on friday night so we were talking about the show and um uh we was this is toward 11.30, and we were just about to wrap up our conversation, and his mother was trying to get his attention. Turned out she was watching the nightly MASH rerun on Channel 5 in New York, and at 11.25, the sports maven, Bill Mazur, would always have like a sports wrap-up, but during it, he got this bulletin saying that a man identified as John Lennon had been, uh, had been shot and had been taken to Roosevelt Hospital. So we quickly wrapped up and, uh, um, and I dived for the radio and put on WNEW-FM in New York. And the fellow who um, uh, was doing the, the nighttime show in those days was a fellow named Vince Gelsa, sure. who, uh, whose, whose name came up, in fact, on the last uh, things we said today since he worked with, uh, with Darren. Yeah. Oh, Darren Vivo. And um, and I probably had only tuned in for about a minute when, uh, well, if you go to YouTube, uh, you can find it there. Um, uh, he received the, the bulletin that, uh, that that John had been declared dead. Mm. And, um, I, you know, I turned into... As Archie Bunker would say, I turned into a meathead, dead, dead from the neck up. Mm. You know, I was just uh, basically going on autopilot. I, for some reason, I called down to the Beatle fan down in, uh, in Georgia as if <laughs> because I was the New York correspondent. So mm. and it was as if as if I didn't realize that the whole world was you know, had gotten the word. Right. So mm. I just left, left a message, which I think, I think Leslie King may still have. Mm. I'm not sure. Yeah. Uh, and, um, and then the next couple of hours, basically, like I said, I was on autopilot and I was just going up and down the radio dial. And I can recall um, somebody at WABC went into their, their archives and took out the old WABC jingles. And, um, and I think uh, had, had to be around maybe around three o'clock. Um, I went, I'd gone back to WNEW-FM and the fellow who was the all night 
uh, personality, Tom Herrera, mm. played um, Jackson Brown's for a dancer. And the uh, the second the second verse, I, you know, I don't know what happens when people die, and that is when it hit me. Mm. And I ended up crying myself to sleep, mm. which was probably only about half hour of sleep, yeah. but still. But that's that's how I got the news. Most of us can relate to that. <laughs> yeah, that absolutely. Were, yeah. were they playing like Beatles and Lennon music throughout the night? Yeah, pretty yeah. much. Pretty yeah. much. Most of the stations <laughs> oh, sure. that were yeah. playing either either Beatles. I, the one song that I kept hearing uh, more than any other was "Watching the Wheels," mm. which amazed it. Which, considering that the album had only been out like two weeks, right? Uh, you know to keep going back to that one song i guess thinking you know here he comes out after five years and this happens and i remember hearing a lot of solo john tracks that you'd never hear on the radio Mm -hmm. and you know of course the cynical side of me saying yeah you know this is what it takes for them to play it you know but yeah they were playing everything you know otherwise i remember uh tom how about you yeah, well, you know, as being seven years old when that happened and, um, you know, in my life centering around, you know, Star Wars at that point in time in my <laughs> life, you know, I really, it didn't really um, compute with me. Um, you know, growing up in Michigan, my mom and dad were were huge Motown fans. Uh, the Beatles and solo Beatles weren't really on their radar. So it was something that, you know, I had learned, you know, down the line, unfortunately. So it didn't have, have that, you know, impact on me, you know, as, as it did with Alan, probably, you know, uh, you can and, and Joe, unfortunately, but um, um, I do recall um, older family members talking about it. I do recall uh, I had, you know, football fans in my family and I remember them talking about them talking about it on the Monday Night Football I believe it was mm-hmm. right Howard uh, with, with Howard Cosell yeah. yeah so I mean that's my kind of memory of it is, is listening to other people discuss it you know and not really understanding who John Lennon was or you know or that he was in a band called the Beatles you know so it was just more or less you know hearing it word of mouth really you know, for, for several days, it was wall-to-wall coverage. Like I imagine. No, nothing else on the news. So you must right. have been wondering, you know, why is this story so important? Right. You know, as a seven-year-old. Yeah. You know, yeah. But, <laughs> but um, what year did you first get into the Beatles? It was, I believe, 85, 86 is when I started, you know, getting into, you know, the Beatles music. Now, I've obviously, I knew about Paul's music, you know, in the early 80s. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, starting to get, you know, aware of John Lennon from, you know, the singles, uh, I, I believe it was like, nobody told me was really my big introduction to uh, John's solo career. And, okay. um, you know, that's when I was introduced. So, so yeah, um, it was about 85, 86. And then, you know, I'll, I'll tell them some more, you know, a bit about that once we get into, you know, our other aspect of the show. So. Okay. Kit. Yeah. I mean, a bit, bit like Tom, I, you know, I was eight. And, uh, and I, you know, wasn't into the Beatles yet. Uh, that wasn't until about 1985, probably, mm-hmm. is when I started getting into them. Um, and, uh, you know, so I, I remember, I, I think there may have even been, I, I think I was watching TV and there may have even been like a crawler at the bottom mm-hmm. of the screen mm-hmm. um, that, that 
you know, the, the news that John Lennon had been killed. I, I think there was, I'm not 100% sure. I, I somehow have a vague memory of that. And we were talking about it uh, before we went on air that, you know, probably then I, I almost saw the Beatles as Paul's band. I mean, you know, because, because you know, Paul was so, you know, still so big at the time. And John, as you said, had just started making his comeback. And, you know, I, I was more familiar with, with Paul's, you know, with, with Paul McCartney. Mm. Um, but, uh, but I definitely, you know, I, I do remember seeing the news you know, reports probably sitting watching the news with my parents or something um you know seeing all the footage of of people um you know gathering in central park and and, yeah. and the, you know the vigils and i mean i you know i do remember that um but it obviously didn't have the same impact uh on me um as it did like you know you al or or, or joe or, or ken um you know it, but, and, and yeah, we'll get into this in, in just uh, a little bit, but yeah, a few years later, when, uh, well, about five years later, when I then started getting into the Beatles, and then, of course, you know, it hit me, I, I just thought, oh, you know, I can't believe, right? I, I you know, I missed it. I, I mean, I, I missed, you know, experiencing his music. Exactly. When he was alive, I mean, you right. know, and, you know just a, such a you know huge letdown and, and disappointment so yeah so tom and i obviously yeah. have a different perspective on it but i do i kind of remember it i remember those scenes of, of people at that at you know um you know in central park around the dakota you know i do remember sure. those scenes on the news um but it didn't hit me as as much um as obviously it does now yeah yeah it's really something as i pointed out before it's kind of like a different experience when you've grown up with these artists as mm -hmm. they put out their music as opposed to discovering them later and exactly. you can discover their music in any order you want to you know right. there's yep. so much music there to, to get into you could bounce around from the beatle days to the solo music to different decades and you hear the music differently yep you know if you do that exactly um, uh joe well, I had been heavily into the Beatles, I guess, around 75, 76 is when I started. But more importantly for, for this topic, I had gotten it to be a real John Lennon freak around, uh, I want to say, 77 or something like that. Uh, and when I heard Plastic Ono Band, I was really blown away, you know. But we'll get to more of that later. But I was into John just at the time he was retired, you know. So uh, my big dream was for him to come out of retirement, and which he did. And that was a big thrill, uh, you know. Uh, then only a few weeks after of Double Fantasy, of course, there was that fateful night. And uh, I had just graduated high school. I was 18, graduated mm -hmm. that June, and I went right to work. So of 80? Of 80. I started okay. a job in September, a printing job. Mm -hmm. And I was on probation for a while. I mean, you know, you don't yeah. want to call in sick or anything like that. Right. And... Uh, it was my mother's 40th birthday, December 8th, oh. that night. So, I mean, this was long after. It was you know, almost, you know, uh, 10, 10 minutes to 11 or something. I was getting ready for bed. I was, you know, sitting down in the dark, taking my shoes off on whatever, and the phone rang. You, it's weird when you get a phone call 
late like that. And it was my now departed friend, my best friend, Mike, who's passed. Uh, and he had this weird sense of humor, you know, some teenagers do. They would, they would say like in the past, he might've said like, Oh, so-and-so had a heart attack. Uh, you know, I'm just kidding. You know, it's, stupid kid stuff mm. and when he told me this news i thought it was one of his jokes you know, he said john's been shot and i i didn't believe him he convinced me quickly enough told me turn on the tv and i think i saw chuck scarborough uh on the news four right and at that time they didn't know they were he was tentatively identified as john lennon they weren't sure it was john lennon right yeah. so i kind of was like hanging by a thread uh, both of us kind of on the phone but i was also this crazy you know, collector, which I still am, in case you haven't noticed, but I used to record everything on audio tape. So I'm used to recording things like news items or interviews. So I'm like, this is, why would I record, you know, but yet you don't know what, what else to do. You're doing your usual routine, right. capturing history. And I'm like, under the worst circumstances. So as I'm fiddling around, I'm hearing updates and I'm listening to WPLJ and I'm hearing, you know, he was shot. Uh, and, and first, then you, it was John, and then you hear, uh, you don't know the extent of it, we're thinking, well, maybe it was just a flesh wound. Then you hear it was uh, several times in the back and the chest, or however they, they really, like, made it sound horrific. Uh, and I was like, oh, that's it. You know, I was, like, so, uh, you know, upset. And as I'm fiddling around, I, I have on tape the original recording from some news station. You could tell by the, the guy's voice, you know, he was like, where John Lennon and his wife, Yoko Ono, had a permanent residence. Mm. Repeating, former Beatle John Lennon was shot and killed. You know, adding to the finality of it. I still yeah. get shivers. And I have that sure. tape. I don't play it <laughs> uh, maybe once or something uh, very often. But uh, that's how I, how I found out. And it was surreal i mean like al said you know and then the the radio and the news and and playing songs and uh all night i didn't get any sleep and i had to go to work the next day me too yeah uh and i didn't get any sleep but i was taking the bus then i, I didn't have a car or anything so i'm on the bus and everybody you could just tell everybody knows it yeah. as, as this it was still dark in the morning uh, whatever time it was and i was getting the bus 6 6 30 a.m and you could see the stack of newspapers, uh, the, the Daily News, New York Daily News. And there it is, still yeah. bundled up in front of the store. And you read, surreal. You don't believe this is a real thing. I know. How could this be? Exactly. And, and uh, for, my, for, for me, crying and breaking down, I remember that took, I don't know why. I, I ran this scenario over my head for a month. It was January 11th of the 81. I remember the date. I was looking at a calendar. And I heard the song Intuition. I was playing Intuition that day. For whatever reason, hearing John with the la di da positive approach on life, I try to make the game of life better each and every day. And I just, mm. it took me that long yeah. to, for the floodgates to open. And um, that was it. And also the following morning, uh, you know, again, as a, the collector part, you, you're like a zombie. I'm going to these stores, uh, newsstands, and buying magazines. I used to buy celebratory magazines now i'm buying overnight all these newspapers and yeah. things just to, to put into a box or something and i'm like this is just yeah. not right <laughs> and that's that's how it was for me yeah it's funny al you were talking about denskelsa i can hear his voice right now making the announcement exactly and yep. how shaky his voice was and he said yeah. i don't know what to say yeah. i don't know how anyone who was on the radio could have handled that situation oh, you know, or, or television yeah. 
Right. Those are the worst moments to ever mm. be on the air. I don't know how I could have ever handled it. Yeah, I know Jimmy I Fink. I heard Jimmy. Uh, I remember Jimmy Fink. He was uh, talking about. It. He had to talk about it. Yeah, and Jimmy's a huge fan. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, kind of like you, Al. I worked at a record store um, at that time, Record World, which was you know a very successful chain. And I worked at Roosevelt Field in Long Island, which I'm told was like their busiest store in the entire of all the of all the stores they had. Um, and as you know, as you get closer and closer to Christmas, uh, the sales pick up and there's more yep. to clean up. And uh, we closed at 930. But with every passing day, we had to stay later and later to clean up the store to get it ready for the next day. And can, I, must can I have ask, stayed, yeah. sorry to interrupt, but can I ask how old you were at that point? At that time, so I would have been twenty-one. Okay. So um, yeah, I'm sure it was way past eleven o'clock when I left the store, mm. and I went into the parking lot and I turned the car on, and uh, I heard a Beatles song being played on the radio, and the disc jockey came out of it saying, "We're sorry to to give you the news that John Lennon has been shot." Immediately, I think shot in the arm, you know. Anything but the worst, but then he said, John Lennon is dead. And I couldn't believe this. And so I thought, you know, if this is true, every radio station is going to be announcing this. So I turned to another radio station and they were playing, got to get you into my life, but it was Earthwind and Fire's version. (laughs) And the the disc jockey came out of that and he said, you know, in case you haven't heard the, the sad news, John Lennon has been shot and he's dead. And for the rest of the night, we're going to be playing Beatles and solo John Lennon music. And so I just couldn't believe what I was hearing. I was there in the parking lot. And to this day, I still don't know how I was able to drive home knowing this. (laughs) I was in a daze and I think I was in denial of it all. I thought in part, this is kind of like the Paul is dead rumor. Somebody's playing a joke here. Yeah. As sick as that sounds, that's how my mind was thinking. You don't think rationally. Um, and I well, went you don't home. want to believe it. Yeah, sure. Exactly. Um, I came home. I was still living with my parents. They were in the living room at the time waiting up for me because they, they had heard the news. The TV was on in the living room. And as soon as I'm coming in, I'm looking right at the TV with all the coverage. And my father just said to me, I imagine this is not a very good time for you. No, <laughs> it wasn't. <laughs> you know, what do you say at a moment sure. like that? So I just went to my bedroom and um, I listened to the radio all night. And there were a couple of rock stations like WNEW FM in New York, WBAB on Long Island, uh, very big rock station there. And they were not only playing John Lennon music, but they were taking live calls throughout the night for people to just voice whatever Uh they were feeling. Right. And um, I knew there was no way on earth I was going to get any sleep that night. So I was lying in my bed with the lights off and just listening. And one person said something on the air, which I'll always remember, which is that the saddest thing about John's death is that we'll never have a Beatles reunion. No, no. (laughs) And having lived through all the solo music and Mm. seeing all the success that they had and really, you know, appreciating them for being great artists in their own right, all of them, this is what pops into someone's head first. Right. You know, it really oh, upset yeah. me a lot. It was like John died twice. Mm-hmm. 
And so that's just something that will always stick out in my memory about that night. You know, I don't think of John as strictly a Beatle. He had another right. career. He also had a life with, with Yoko and Sean. He was a father to Julian. I thought about all those things. I didn't just think of him right. strictly as a Beatle. John the man. And, yeah, and you yeah. know, yeah. that person probably wasn't the only one that thought that either. Oh, sure. Oh, oh, I, I, I heard a lot of that. Yeah. I was going to bring no. that up too later. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. yeah, and then somehow I was able to go to college the next day and the few classes that I had, I was a communications major. Uh, the teachers really didn't run a class. They just said, if you want to talk, we're here. And wow. we all just talked about John Lennon. Some of the students were too young or weren't really affected by John or the Beatles. Some of them had a lot to say. Right. We, we didn't really have classes that day. We just <laughs> showed up and left. I dressed in black that that day, you know, out of respect. I don't know and if he's it even black. mattered. <laughs> there you go. Um, I thought of that. But uh, yeah, that's what I remember about about that night. Um, you know, it's it's true. There's nothing like something that has impacted your life that you can remember it like it happened yesterday. Just like you know, you've talked about Al seeing the Beatles on Ed Sullivan. You know, those kind of right. things. Even though we know how long ago it was, it sure doesn't seem like it. And yeah. um, or like uh, my parents can remember President Kennedy being shot like it happened yesterday. Of course. Um, yeah. And my wife remembers that, that kind of thing. Yeah. Interesting. You mentioned that um, uh, Dara actually made a, a very interesting comment here. She said, my father, Wayne, is watching with me. He said he was watching the news on TV and it felt like someone had stabbed him in the heart. It mm. made him think about what happened to JFK, MLK Jr. and Bobby right. Kennedy. Yeah. Sure. And that yeah. hadn't been that long ago. You know, no. it had only been, you know, the, the Kennedy assassination had only been like 17 years before. And, yep. and I'm glad I'm not a football fan because mm, yeah. I wouldn't have wanted Howard Cosell. <laughs> yeah, that's they true. Right. They have him break the news. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Not only that, but around that time, I think it was 1980 when CNN debuted. Yes. And so to have an, a 24-7 news channel and to go all through the day with nonstop, nothing but John Lennon, we saw that later on with something like Princess Diana when she died, yeah. but with John, it was the same thing. So, uh, you know, I'm sure there were a lot of uh, John fans and Beatle fans that were glued to a channel like CNN, just wanted to get any more news they could. Yeah, and as the days depressing follow, as it right? was. The whole yeah. week, there were, it seemed like there was nothing but John on, uh, stuff on John all the time, for, uh, straight for a week. I would hope so. I mean, you yeah. know, as sad as it is, you know, I, I think he's an important figure to to warrant something like that to continue with the you know with the with the radio shows yeah. or the tv spots you know to well the world was seemed a lot i don't know if you guys would older guys would agree but a lot smaller then and it you know there wasn't all that oh absolutely 24-hour cable and mm. it, it it was just all about john you know and i remember thinking to myself too uh you know because i had to do this new job that i was talking about i couldn't get to the city to the dakota i wanted to share my grief there at the Dakota and I couldn't even think about getting there till Friday night. And I had been wondering, I wonder if they're still going to be a gathering there. And they were, they were there every, yeah. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, mm. and so on. Right. Right. Al, I, I wanted the to vigil on Sunday. Yes. Yeah. Right. Al, I wanted to, to ask you uh, about, you know, you mentioned about Beatle fan. 
um, yes. about the that issue that, right. that then you had to put out. Tell us a little bit about that. What, what that, that was, was like. well, that was going to be Beatle fans' second anniversary issue. The first issue had been at the end of 1978, and th th basically Bill had the issue pretty much all, almost ready to go. And then after this, and of course Bill is a is a professional journalist. He was uh, at that point he was still a music and entertainment uh, critic for the Atlanta Journal Constitution, and. Um, you know, after he got the news and then went went into the paper and uh, you know filed a filed a story, he you know he realized that there was no way that we could put out the issue as is. So basically, he sent this is <laughs> the technology of 1980. Um, he <laughs> sent basically like a, a, you know a wire uh, to all of the other than me because I had already called um, with that tape so we knew uh, you know that I that I had already volunteered to do something and uh, but he sent a sent messages to everybody all of the the regular computer uh, contributors um, uh, you know that basically soliciting whatever we wanted to do and so I, like that Wednesday morning, I sat down at my, <laughs> my acoustic typewriter, <laughs> <laughs> which is what I was using in those days, and, uh, and, and did, a, did a piece, and Molly Pedrasic did a piece, and, uh, uh, and within basically two weeks, Bill had assembled what became known as the John Lennon Commemorative Issue. And uh, uh, it, it came back from the printer, I think, on, I think, December 21st. And uh, he put it in the mail right away. So basically before, you know, before the year was up. So within like three weeks of right. John's murder, um, the issue was was in the hands of this was of the subscribers. So, wow. so you just changed that. So that anniversary issue, it wasn't an option to put out two you know the anniversary no, no. issue and then the the john lennon one it was just it had to be that one just that one issue then right there was there was some material that was you know already all ready to go basically like reviews of double fantasy okay. right. and a couple of other things but it was basically the core of the issue was basically mm -hmm. just taken apart gotcha. and uh, you know some of the elements did did appear in the next issue mm -hmm. in right. in february Okay, but uh, but the 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 core of it was all freshly done material by the by the contributors. Wow. And was that issue all about his death, or was there anything retrospective, or you know, looking at the at uh, you know his time with the Beatles, his solo career, any part like that? It, it, well, it, I mean, Bill did um, um, in you know the is what we know as the Beatle News Roundup. Mm. He basically you know did all of the um uh, all of the you know the the facts and figures and uh, and you know and a lot of the biographical information although obviously with a magazine like that we you know pretty much assumed that you know anybody reading beetle fan knew you know knew, knew the you know the biography Right. Uh, so it was so it was primarily uh, either the you know the facts and figures of the event itself and the and the and that 
that week following it, and um, uh, and then perspectives from, as I said, from from me, from Wally Petrasic, from and some of the other contributors whose names I'm blanking out on at, the, at this point. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Yep. Okay, when it comes to John Lennon, there's so many things you could talk about. And I wanted to break things down between the music and the man. But um, as you know, John's music was so highly personal. <laughs> it's all intertwined, you know. So um, what I'd like to get from each of you is how you best remember John, what you admire most about the man. And I realize that's a loaded question. Take as much time as you want. Um, Al, would you like to start? Okay, I may as well, because um, I've been thinking about this. Uh, as it turns out, a couple of months after John's murder, uh, we had the the first the first. I guess it was really the first mass gathering of fans since the since the vigil, which was mm. the. Beetle Fest, and what I've always called the uh, the the therapy fest, because I mean people were just people were embracing and breaking down, you know, in the in the halls, and it was mm. it was rough, but it was but it was something that we really needed. And um, Mark Lapidus had uh, uh, had decided to put out a uh, a booklet of basically of remembrances from fans, either poetry or you know whatever they wanted to do and i was one of the first people that he asked to uh, to contribute and what uh the point of what i wrote was that i consider and and i still do uh consider john lennon to be the single most fascinating figure in the entire history of rock and roll you know he was he was never dull he was (laughs) always always fascinating he was like he was so complex he was like an onion that had to kind of peel away all the different dimensions um of course in those days we thought that he was you know scrupulously honest about everything mm. and you know we we've learned that you know that he basically he and yoko kind of created myths about things but uh, but still, you know, for the most part, he was usually pretty frank. There were times when it seemed as if he would say things almost for the shock value of what they would look like in in the newspapers. But you know, in he would he admitted himself that uh, he would say things and then realize, like two hours later, that why did I just say that? Mm-hmm. You know that that kind of thing, but he was, as I said, he was just, and I and I thought of this recently because I've been reading or through Audible, uh, listening to um, several of the auto bios by music artists Pete Townsend, Howard Kalin, mm. Graham Nash, and you know you listen to them and it's all, you know, sex and drugs and rock and roll, right. and which is fine, but it's it's even somebody like Pete P. Townsend who you think would be a lot more interesting didn't really doesn't really turn out to be at least you know through the pages of that book to be all that interesting you know uh but but John always was he was as I said he was just never dull uh always fascinating and musically he had I I think one of the one of the five best rock and roll voices ever 
Yeah. Boy, that was concise. <laughs> you can't get me to do that. Yeah, <laughs> really? Wow. Teach me how to do that. <laughs> Give me a clock. Kit, <laughs> uh, you're next. Well, I, I think there are two things that, that I've always connected to with him and, and admired uh, about him. First of all, um, you know, I, I really admire how he took chances uh, musically and personally and on the whole really didn't give a rip what people thought. Hmm. Um, <laughs> you know, he really didn't. And I mean, that takes a lot of courage. Um, and, uh, you know, and, and really, both, particularly when he was with the Beatles, but certainly solo as well, um, you know, he would, I, I mean, something like A Strawberry Fields Forever or Tomorrow Never Knows. I mean, those were just, you know, songs that probably the fact that, you know, like Paul, you know, is that he couldn't read music was was a good thing because he would come up with these you know incredible ideas you know i want to sound like i'm i'm chanting from a mountaintop and you know i wanted to you know things like that and and i'm sure that george martin and others said you know what you know and and he Mm. would say why not and you know that's i think that's how he would it was why not um and you know who would put a, do a song like Cold Turkey and put themselves out there like that? Right, right. Um, you know, and, and I mean, really just, you know, well, he really did strip himself bare, but well, that's a whole other thing. <laughs> but, and he's very shy. Yeah, he's very <laughs> shy. Um, but, you know, I mean, that was a song that I don't know anyone, may, I don't know who would have the guts to put out a song like that and, you know, and, and not only, you know, reveal himself personally, but, but to, you know, to, to go against the grain like that. I mean, I can't think of any other song from, from 69, all that sounded like that. Um, sure. You know, and, but again, he just put it out there and if he didn't like it too bad. Um, yeah. And I, I just really admire that, that he, he tried different things and uh, didn't really, certainly didn't follow the rules. Of course, when when he and Yoko would would do th- you know do their you know various art happenings, whether it was the bed in, whether it was bagism, when you know different things, and and they were willing to you know I mean he said we were willing to be the world's clowns um, right. to do things. I mean. As I said, that takes, you know, a lot of guts. So that's one thing I, I really admire, his willingness to take chances. And the other thing is, you know, his his honesty. Um, and, you know, kind of like you were saying, Al, the, the you know, his willingness to, to really, um, you know, reveal himself in his music, but not only honesty about himself, but he was able to speak directly to you. I mean, I, that's when I first got into his solo stuff. Mm. I mean, I remember listening to the Imagine album and listening. I, I don't know why this song in particular, but Crippled Inside. Exactly. Yeah. That's, that's one. When I heard the lyrics to that, you know, I just, I, for some reason, I heard that and I just thought, he nailed it. 
<laughs> I mean, mm. I know exactly what he's talking about, you know, right. that you can, you can look wonderful, you know, you can do all these things and look beautiful on the outside and surround yourself, you know, with material things. But one thing you can't hide is when you're crippled inside. And I just right. remember thinking, I, I get, I know what he's talking about. And there mm. are so many other times in his songs where I've, I've thought I, I either, I understand it. I felt that. I, you know, and, and so he really has that ability to not only to, to, you know, describe himself and reveal himself, but he's able to do it in a way that you can relate to it. And, and almost like he's talking to you. Um, And so that's the other thing that, that, you know, I think he's, he was a really gifted songwriter uh, in that sense too. Um, and and so I really um, and in fact uh, Tony DeMeo uh, in the comments here said he was like me, <laughs> and I think that kind of <laughs> that kind of nails what I'm saying that he he is he's kind of like you. Uh, that's that's how we wrote a song. So those are the two things that uh, that willing to take chances and honesty, um, and uh, and those are the two qualities that I think were really unique to him. And it draws a lot of fans to him. Absolutely. Makes them admire him so much more for that. Yep. Uh, How about Tom? Thank you, Ken. Um, Well, you know, as a teenager getting into, you know, the Beatles, roughly 85, 86, 87 area, and having some, you know, rebellious kind of, you know, thoughts, you know, going in my mind, you know, that's one of the aspects that, you know, I, gravitated towards John pretty much right off the bat, especially his music of the Beatles and his songs specifically because of what, you know, the kind of like the almost a little bit of the ragged edge or the, you know, the toughness of, of Lennon, you know, with songs like, you know, you can't do that and slow down and, and, and bad boy and, you mm. know, run for your life, stuff like that. So, so for me, you know, Lennon was really, you know, he was my, you know, my go-to guy. He was kind of like my idol at that time, you know, whereas there was a lot of bad boys out there at that point, like, you know, Motley Crue, and kiss guns and roses all that stuff i mean that stuff i I appreciated later but it was right yeah right exactly but it was like really (laughs) lennon that almost the original bad boy that uh in a way that which you know i gravitated towards and but not only that but then you know you you find out that he's also got a soft side to him you know and then you discover songs like yes it is and baby it's you and if i fell and and stuff like that and Mm -hmm. And you, you, you realize, I mean, okay, there's more to the guy than just, just the toughness, kind of like Al was saying, you know, with the whole onion thing, you know, there's, there's multi layers, you know, of John. And that's, an, again, another thing that reason why I fell in love with, with, with John. And I got to tell you, you know, and then at the height of it, you know, in 1988, you know, we get this, you know, and I was, you know, first and I was like one of only two people in the theater, you know, <laughs> getting, you know, getting to watch, you know, imagine John Lennon. And I'm like, this is, I'm in heaven, but you know, and, but that, you know, like, you know, I had so many nights, you know, lying in bed with the headphones on wishing that I could, you know, had, you know, Al's experience, you know, seeing Amanda and Sullivan and just seeing that whole, you know, that whole progression. But it was watching that, the movie where I finally realized, okay, I'm not going to have that, you know, that's gone. 
and that's when you know it kind of hit me and i kind of got a little emotional watching the, the, that movie because i realized i'm not going to get this this is this is my beetle mania right here you mm-hmm. know this and the complete beetles were really you know my you know what i had to go to you know to get my oh. john lennon my john lennon fix really you yeah. know and then and then from getting the cd you know the soundtrack to imagine john lennon then you know i finally got more into some of his solo stuff and I was, I don't know what it was about it. Maybe it was the lyrics of what, but Jealous Guy on here just, you know, touched me so personally on a personal level, you know, because it's, you know, like Kit said, the honesty of John. I mean, I never read, I didn't read, read anything on John Lennon, but I didn't have to, because I had his music, I had his lyrics. And that's, you know, how I got to know John Lennon really was, was from his lyrics. And then that's how I really come to, to, to appreciate him, you know, the stuff like how, you know, how can we move forward? I mean, that stuff yeah. is just, you know, how, you know, not too many people can get as deep as that, you know? <laughs> and, that was one you know, of my favorite songs. Yeah, from him, you know, and, definitely. Yeah, and then even deeper with you know God and Mother, you know, and, and he's just, you know, letting letting his soul out to you for for everybody to to read or or listen to or however you want to interpret it, you know, it's it's just really, you know, when I think back at it now, you know, how, you know, I'm, I'm really grateful that you know, I had this when I did, um, because, you know, I could have gone in all kinds of different directions with, with music, but, you know, because there was so much at that point in time, you know, but, but this was, you know, discovering the Beatles and then, you know, really discovering Lennon, you know, at that point in time, I think was, was a pretty powerful time in my life. And uh, I'm very grateful for, for that. Well, well said. Very good, Tom. Joe? What can I possibly say? Everyone stole my thought. <laughs> no, it, it's it's all a lot of the same, really. Um, and for people have said in the comments too. I mean, uh, I love John's wit and mm, sense of go. humor. Yeah, yeah that's another aspect you know, of it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Biting wit and sense of humor. But I liked his best his openness, candidness, frankness. Said whatever he wanted and didn't give a damn. Uh, pretty much till maybe afterward, and then regret <laughs> it. Uh, Honesty, but you know, as Al had also said, you know, not not as honest as we always thought all the time, but more certainly more than most rockers out there. I think I think yes. when Al said that he was like the most fascinating, or I don't know, I'm paraphrasing, I don't remember exact words, uh, interesting mm. person. I mean, you could have a movie uh, about John Lennon, and it would be very captivating. Where, I, as I don't know so much about uh, that, that captivating as much as the the other Beatles or. Uh, other artists but you know uh when, when i was 15 is when i really was getting into john and that was like listening to the imagine album and the first time i had ever heard plastic ono band when i i always tell that story uh to people about me uh i was listening in, in a front porch at night which was my bedroom where i lived at the time in a front porch and you just had the through the windows you had the the stars and the trees and it's dark and but i, I still was able to see pretty well but at night then so i i had the lyric sheet and i'm reading every song the lyrics along with john lennon plastic ono band and i'm like floored by every line and every emotion how brutally honest this guy was and exposing his soul to everybody feeling like a, a lot of it I could relate to, which we've, we've said, I think, uh, I think it was a Tony in the comments who said, 
he's he's me. Yeah. He's mm-hmm. talking to me. He knows me. Yeah. You know, that's right. me. I could have wrote this. I could not everything. I mean, at the time, uh, at that age, 15, 16, 17, John Lennon was like my hero in that regard. Now I could think of no offense to John, but better hero choices, maybe. <laughs> but mm-hmm. at the time, that's what I needed, you know, to, to, I guess to deal with whatever normal teenage angst I was experiencing or problems in school with your parents or, you know, I was a child of divorce and my father, you know, wasn't around and all of that and listening to the song Mother and, yeah. you know, that, you know, Father, you, you know, you left me all this. It was very emotional, um, you know, and that's what I missed the most. I think we, we, we were robbed so much, you know, by John's not being here. Of what, what could have been? What stuff he could have been talking about? Interviews, always interesting, right. yep. always fascinating, never dull, as, as, as Al said. Um, there are not many of them out there as we'd like to see interview-wise with John. But, boy, always entertaining, always great to listen to him. And, yeah, without him around, it's just uh, it's never been the same for me. I'm sure I speak for a lot of people right. uh, over the decades. I think I might have even been a different person than I am. I don't know. I, I lost a part of me in a way. Uh, we all did. Yeah. yeah. And uh, like think... you said, uh, Ken, a lot of people, and I understand, you know, there's a little part of me too that says, oh, I guess the Beatles will never get back together again. You know, yeah, that's some a, a little factor too, but I just missed the, the man, the guy, you know. The, right personality right. i think you and tony touched and, on something where you know he's singing about you in a way because there's so many songs in his catalog where you can identify with whether it's you know yeah. mama don't go daddy come home i mean just so many yeah. per, on a personal level that you can connect with and, and feel that emotion with because you experience something like that as well when they've tortured and scared you for yeah. 20 odd years then they yeah. expect you to pick a career i mean things yeah. like that yeah. that's where you know i was a teenager at the time and all yeah. this kind of Funk, you can't really function. You're so full of fear. You know, that's why I say, and uh, what, you know, you, I always refrain from getting into a comparison thing, you know, but uh, whereas I love, you know, like, like Paul's, Paul's music, I just want to say, you know, uh, nobody, nobody to me is as great a songwriter as, as Paul McCartney. Uh, but I do uh, miss a lot of that more deep introspective John yeah. stuff a lot of the time. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. 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 And and you know, he, you know, you were saying about uh, you know that there should be a movie about him. And actually there have been a oh, few yeah, right. the pro- <laughs> and the problem is not at least the portrayal of John in, in most right. of them, none of them have been very good. No. And I think and I think it's because the real thing the real man himself was right. was so magnetic. I mean, look at a hard day's night, and you cannot take your eyes off. You yeah, know? this is but true. Right. You know, you know, you Al. Know? I mean, that, that movie like John and Yoko, a love story. That yeah, you know, that left a lot to be desired. <laughs> but uh, I thought I thought Ian Hart uh, in the Backbeat movie yeah. struck yeah. me as a young yeah. Hamburg John. Mm-hmm. He yeah. was believable. I, that, I kind of believed he could be John at, yeah. at, at that age and at that point in his life. Maybe not later, maybe, but. But, yeah, you know, I it's think... very it's very difficult to make a movie on John because he was such a complicated person. Yeah, absolutely. That you know, too. you can't cover yeah. it all in two hours. No, no. Yeah. Really be a mini series. <laughs> but yeah, but Al, I think we've talked about that before that. Yeah, that that there's just uh, there hasn't been a movie that has any except maybe backbeat that's maybe yeah. closest that that has really captured 
John. I mean, you need a good... really talented, talented actor that specializes in emotions, or you know, someone that can have that eruptive type, you know, meanness or mm-hmm. attitude to him, but then be nice and gentle and soft as well. Mm-hmm. And it's it's so rare to find in an like actor. I, like that movie Nowhere Boy. I didn't buy that. I, I don't know the actor's yeah. name. Uh, mm-hmm. I didn't buy him as as a young John at all. Um, what did you think of? I forget his name. Also, in uh, Birth of the Beatles, I thought uh, he had a little of John's nastiness. I can't remember uh, the oh, actor's yeah. name now. Birth of the Beatles, the TV. Yeah, uh-huh. can't remember. But yeah, but he's he was a complex <laughs> individual, as we all are. But but he in particular, uh, yeah. yeah, was and just yeah, really, it's just so hard to to. Right. You know, really accurately yeah, very, portray him. Very interesting, interesting person. You know, multifaceted. Yep. Fascinating. You know. Yeah, I mean, you guys have talked about his lyrics and how they can touch you, and there are certain lines from his songs that stand out so much that we can all relate to, and the, the, it's an amazing thing. Some of the lines are so simple, and yet he he's able to 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 write them in a song and affect you. And really grip you in a way where you might think, oh, it's so easy to do this. Not everybody can write a song like Mother. Yeah. You know, and I'm thinking about the line, um, I couldn't walk and I tried to run. Mm-hmm. I'm only now appreciating that line, what that means. <laughs> That's so deep. Right. You yep. know, and I've always talked about how. How can I go yeah. forward when I right. don't know which way I'm facing? Yeah, that's a great line. And that's something really as, as simple as I didn't mean to hurt you. I'm sorry I made you cry. Yeah. You know, something yeah. as simple as that is, is still so powerful. And admitting that he's a jealous yeah. guy. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. There's so many sides to John in his music. You love that rock and roll voice. You love yeah. that guttural, oh, strong yeah. mother, well, 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 I want you see so heavy voice. And then you love that uh, more restrained Julia type yeah. voice or vulnerable, like jealous guy. You got all these different sides of John there, just vocally. And that's yeah. not even covering the songwriting there. I'm just right. talking about right. the vocal. Just the vocal. Right. Yeah. But um, it's been an incredible journey to study this man as a songwriter, to go back to the early Beatles stuff with the more simple boy-girl relationship songs like I Want to Hold Your Hand, going into more complex relationship songs on Rubber Soul, into psychedelic stuff like Tomorrow Never Knows and Strawberry Fields, you know, um, autobiographical songs, The Ballad of John and Yoko, universal songs, All You Need Is Love and Give Peace a Chance and that slogan rock, if you want to, yeah, imagine. Um, Power to the People and Give Peace a Chance and that kind of stuff. The political songs on Sometime in New York City and through it all, so much of it is so deeply personal that you're all touched by it. So um, it's an amazing gift that he, that he had as a songwriter, as a singer. I love to see how he developed as a human being and how much yeah. Yoko changed him. And he admitted it. He right. said everything voluntarily to the public. Nothing was hidden. I mean, I was talking about this with the Give Me Some Truth compilation. When you read the book, which is also wonderful, Sometimes I feel like we're getting this psychological profile of John Lennon. It's almost too much information. They're sharing too much about themselves with John and Yoko. You know, you learn so much about them. And he was brutally honest about just about everything in his life. There are those exceptions. Sometimes, you know, with uh, 
my guitar, I didn't take it. Yeah, I didn't take it off the wall for five years. When you know, I wonder that if it he meant. True. Yeah, I guess he. Yeah, I was gonna say, but he mean it literally. But I think he kind of said, "I and I literally didn't take it down." I don't think. <laughs> I took it down. Maybe I he meant that guitar. <laughs> Might have just been an expression. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. But something like that, and also in the case of Double Fantasy, when he would talk about how um, the best songs are the ones that are inspirational, that you don't really have to struggle to write, they just come to you. Like well, nowhere Man, song... he mentioned Nowhere Man came to him like that. Yeah, yeah, okay. But not every song on Double Fantasy was that way. Mm. Some of those songs took a few years. There were song fragments that he pieced together. So he kind of made it sound like these were all brand new songs that he just came up with quickly. I mean, Dear Yoko was one of them. But um, yeah, but the fact that he shared so much about his life, how many people would do that? You know, talk about their childhood, the abandonment that he felt from his parents and how that left scars as it would in most people. And he shared that with the public and um, you know, how much Yoko influenced him in the avant-garde world, supporting all the art exhibits that she did, collaborating with her in that regard, um, how much, she made him a feminist you know and he admit that he was not that way in the early years no. of the beatles no. you know um, for your life yeah <laughs> so, exhibit a yeah which is just a song lyric it's not, it's not really yeah. gonna kill anybody yeah. <laughs> yeah and you were talking kid about him being fearless and he would do things that he didn't give a damn what people thought like the mm. two virgins album cover yep. right there even just taking five years off from the yeah. public eye. Who did that? Yeah. You know, you were expected at that time in the 70s to put out an album every single year. He said in an interview, he used a different word, but he said first they were complaining that we were doing things, and then they were right. complaining because we weren't doing anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. See, know, that's another that's thing right. I'm jealous about with you guys, especially Joe, Ken, and, and, and Els. You got to experience a lot of those, you know, interviews and, and stuff like that, radio spots firsthand. You know, a lot of that mm. stuff, you know. Yeah, By the time I got yeah. into it, it was retired. Yeah. He was retired, really. Right, mm -hmm. but there's there's still those sound bites out there. You yeah. Know? yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you really it's... can't. You really don't have anymore. You but know? before I wanted to say something, folks, just before I forget, you know, what to me, the, the the big tragedy of John being murdered was that, I mean, it seemed to me, and I, I think that he was finding his happiest moments and mm -hmm. was figuring out a lot of stuff and was becoming a better dad, learning from his mistake, more peaceful man, a more uh you know, uh, feminist, uh, friendly right. <laughs> person. He was kind of like learning and growing in so many ways. And, uh, you know, just at the time, that was always the tragedy. One of the first things went through my mind was, you know, this guy was just getting himself together. Yeah. Um, mm. It seemed like, well, for yeah. the most part, you know, for John. Right. <laughs> and mm -hmm. uh, would you yep. agree? No, I, I think that's a good point. I think another good point is, you know, I, I think that, you know, he would be the first person to say that, you know, he wasn't a saint, right. um, you know, he definitely no. wasn't. And, and he, you know, made made mistakes uh, like, you know, like all of us do. And, and I think, you know, it there were, I think, in the years, you know, like in the 80s, I kind of remember there was this kind of there was this kind of move to kind of make him a saint and a deification. Martin, Martin Luther Lennon. Martin yeah. Luther yes, Lennon. That's right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I think he'd be the last person who would want exactly. That. Well, you know where I'm going to go with this because you're 100 percent right, and that was, I guess, that was a natural progression of what happened. No, nobody want to pay that price for that kind of deification. Right. And John didn't want yeah. it. However, no. uh, you know, as we know, I'm going to fit this in. I I find as 
exaggerated and silly as that over saintly attitude was now it's the other way around i won't spend too much time on it but i just i'm always saying that on social media social media itself i mean people want all the garbage they want all the dirt they want all the exactly it's this yep. guy was you know all he was uh, all he did was beat his wife he, he abandoned his son he did that and that's all they focus on so it's the to yes. me it's the other way now and they don't yeah. know crap Right. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I have seen that increasingly. Um, and yeah, I mean, you know, they don't know the full story. Um, And John doesn't do himself any favors the way he talked, like we said before, like he, in the interview, he said, you know, I I don't don't even want to repeat it, but I think in the Playboy interview, he said, uh, I fought men and I hit women, any woman, any woman. Mm -hmm. I don't, you know, but he would also say Paul and I had to write like whatever, 200 songs a week. Or I must have had what acid. I must have had a million trips. It's yeah. like, uh-huh. you know, is, is it is yeah. it exaggeration? You know, to make a point. I think. Yeah. Sure. So yeah, so that's why I just wanted to make that point that yeah, he wasn't a saint. Absolutely no. not. No. I mean, and and as I said, he'd be the first person to say that. Um, but he learned, as you said, Ken. You know, he learned from his mistakes. Um, and you know, if you read his interviews and learn about his life in context. Um, you know, you learn about, you know, that, yes, I'm not, I'm not condoning, um, some of the things he did in the past. He didn't either. Sure. (laughs) Yeah. So I think that's important to, to realize. And not only that, this is a man who changed his opinion all the time. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, but the thing is that even though he changed his opinion, I think all the time in the moment he meant what he said. And it made him all the more human to us and all the more endearing as far as I'm concerned. I do that all the time. When people say, oh, John always changes his mind. I do that. <laughs> so I, yeah. it, doesn't, it doesn't seem strange to me because I'm always like, well, maybe I'll think this way. Oh, I used to think that. Now I think this. It happens. Yeah. So, yeah. And when you talk about the tragedy of his death, I immediately think about Yoko. Yes. The sure. fact that she's she's still with us, God bless her. She's 87 yeah. years old. Yeah. If John was alive today, they would have had 40 more years of marriage. Imagine yeah. how much they could have done together. Imagine how much more music John could have given us that he could have looked back on. You know, we only have the John Lennon up through those 40 years and the things that he said then when he reflected on his career. Right. We right. don't know if right. he would have changed his opinion about things. Sure, I'm always yeah. reminded about this, this uh, one time and Ken Womack wrote about it. In I think story. I know what you're going to say. When um, John was with George Martin yeah. in oh, 1979, yeah. and he said to George Martin, you know, I'd like to redo all the Beatles songs all over again. And uh, <laughs> George said to him, really? What about Strawberry Fields? And he said, especially <laughs> Strawberry Fields. <laughs> yes. Why would he do that? So Why would he do something yeah. like Maybe that? he That's- wasn't, you yeah. know, in his mind, he wasn't fully satisfied with everything. Right. Yeah, yeah. You know? John Lennon later on in life might have said the exact opposite. We did really good work. You don't know. Uh, yeah. So the thing about artists, I mean, they're very rarely satisfied with their work. I yeah. Believe. Well, well and as you said, he could knock the Beatles, but he'll let Mick Jagger knock them. Exactly. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, and if you read that interview he did with Playboy, I mean, when they, I think it was the Playboy interview where they went through the different songs and they'd say, mm-hmm. you know, what about yeah. in my life? What about it? And you'd be like, garbage. And you'd be like, oh, come on. Well, a lot of and artists, your yeah, bird can sing. Right. 
Right. And your bird can sing was a throwaway. Right. Yeah. yeah. Wouldn't want to write that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well, you, can't, you can't really go. In fact, I think I was listening to, uh, Ken, one of your recent interviews on, uh, about the Walls and Bridges album. Oh, um, yeah. I forget Owen Lind. Lind. Yeah. Yes. And uh, that was a point that was brought up there. Uh, you know, say, I think you're about, you might have mentioned it there where I heard you say, and your bird can sing. Mm. somewhere recently i heard that it's a good example like yeah you know who wouldn't have wanted to write that but i think he said yeah uh, you can't go by an artist and i i agree an artist is not the best uh judge of their Critique own work judge. sometimes yeah. they're very close to it yeah. Yeah. yeah you know on the one hand i'd love to know like with with all four beatles well we know with john what they think is their best work but sometimes i don't want to know <laughs> because i know yeah. i'm going to disagree with them i just know right. that i will right yeah, yeah. But sometimes John will say that's a good piece of work. Cause that was a good piece of work. I forget which ones he said that about. Yeah, but, I forget uh, too. <laughs> mm-hmm. I yeah. think he liked Mind Games' he, the song. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's, you know, he, he basically said Plastic on a Band, Imagine, and Double Fantasy were his best works right. up till then. Right. And as someone who loves that lost Lenin period the most and loves right. Mind Games and Walls of Bridges, I don't necessarily yeah. agree. But hey, those albums are great albums too. The right. ones that yeah. John mentioned. Yeah. But also in regard to, uh, just want to say about uh, the tragedy of, of losing John, you don't know what musical direction he would have gone in no. right. had he lived. Yeah, who knows? You couldn't just assume that everything would have been like Double Fantasy. Exactly. It would have been more All of right. a continuation. And if you follow what he said right before he died and he was into the Talking Heads and Blondie and the Cars and Bruce Springsteen and a whole bunch of artists, you don't know if he would have gone in that direction. And he loved working on Walking on Thin Ice. Maybe, yes. his, maybe his songs would have sounded more like that. We oh. don't know. What a tragedy that is. Yeah, because we yeah. only tend to know by with anybody what the last thing they thought was. You know, a lot of times people take, say, in John's case, 1980, and they think, well, he would have done this yeah. now because that's what he was doing then. But you don't know. You just don't know. He yeah. could have changed. Yeah. He also liked disco. He liked New Wave. And uh, three years ago, Reggae? From, Reggae. He like coming up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. Um, I remember in interviewing Chip Manninger, I think he said this in Leninology, that um, after the rock and roll album came out, John had plans of making another album. The only thing we know is that Billy Preston was going to be one of the musicians he wanted on it, but it was going to be more of a dance record. Mm. Yeah. Uh, and then once he moved back with Yoko, then everything changed. But yeah. you don't know. You don't know yeah. what John would have put out, what styles yeah. of music he would have right. done. Exactly. You know, he liked a lot of different uh, styles of music. He was very eclectic, too. Yeah. Yep. Hmm. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So. Can I just say, well, what, one of the things else, uh, that I admire about John is as a teenager at the, around, you know, 85, 86, you know, and kind of living a little shel- bit of a sheltered life and then being exposed to someone that was involved in an interracial relationship like John was. Ooh. I think that was, yeah. you know, I think it was also a very powerful thing. And as we spoke of, I mean, the, you know, the guts it took for John to, you know, bring that out in, you know, in the, in the spotlight, you know, when obviously that wasn't a very fashionable thing, I guess, at the time. And, you know, a lot of the, you know, the harshness, you know, he and Yoko got, you know, over their relationship, I think, yeah. you know, deserves a lot of, I think he des- deserves a lot of credit for that. And, you know, and it spoke volumes to me, you know, being able to say it's, you know, love is love. It doesn't matter who the, who you're in love with, you know, as long as you both love each other. Right. Yeah. Especially what John felt they went through 
in, at least in his mind, with the Beatles right. and also right. with the British press, they were very, very mm. cruel to Yoko. Yeah. There's, there's one other thing I wanted to just mention, and this is just my gut feeling on this when you talk about the tragedy of John's death. I definitely feel that, man, if he could speak right now, how proud he would be of Julian and Sean. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That they put For out. sure. And you know that if he was alive, you probably couldn't have stopped him from wanting to get involved with their music. And it would have been really nice. I mean, it would have been up to Julian and Sean too, whether right. they wanted, of course, I can't yeah. see them saying no, but um, you know, Julian and Sean, the way that they've carried themselves is something to be really proud of, for which Absolutely. we should give Yoko and I guess Cynthia credit too. Absolutely. But, um, you know. Oh, I could see a huge smile on John's face if he was in the studio with his kids. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You bet. To see um, the talent that they that yeah. Julian and Sean have musically. Yep. You know, it's mm -hmm. it, it, he. We would have been, you know, beaming with pride. Absolutely. However, we wouldn't. We wouldn't have gotten one of Julian's best songs though. Which is? Which is? <laughs> his first hit. Oh, a lot. Okay. Oh. No, it's much too late for goodbyes. Oh, oh um, sorry. I never okay. even thought of, thought of that. I didn't think of that either, but yeah, I guess that's true. <laughs> mm. All right. So if we're done with this, we can move on to our last topic. Yeah. Okay. okay. Which good. is that we all thought that we would bring up. Um, I actually didn't give a number here. Anywhere from three I think to three. five. Three? Three. Okay. Yeah, three. I don't have that many. So <laughs> yeah. So we'll we'll make it three. <laughs> Of our favorite John Lennon tribute songs mm -hmm. could come from anybody. I have okay. a feeling some of them will be fairly obvious. Oh, yeah. yeah. But uh, we shall see. Why don't we start? Um, why not continue with you, Al? Since you're our special <laughs> okay. Guest. Al comes you want me first. to go get a sandwich or something? <laughs> <laughs> don't take all mine. <laughs> I'll, I'll make you second, okay? <laughs> well, actually, you know, I figure that, you know, the, the obvious choices are, right. you know, obviously here today, empty yeah. garden, things like mm -hmm. that. So what I did was I actually pulled a few more obscure things. I kind of did the Good. same. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to uh, like, I was going to look for that. Like for instance, I found I found a song by Freddie Garrity, you know, Freddie wow. of the Dreamers. Oh. Uh, that was never released, but it is on it's on YouTube. And it's just simply called John Lennon. Mm. And it's a very kind of wistful reminiscence since they were kind of contemporaries. Mm. Oh. I'm writing this down, Al. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> now now Ken, I'm gonna I think I'm gonna need some help with you on this one. Okay. Ringo, uh, Ringo's "Imagine Me There" from the oh. from the regular Ringo Rama album. Is that actually a Lennon tribute? Or I've or never not? considered it that, and I've never heard Ringo it's ever say nice, it. Was. It's a good song. Yeah, that's the thing. Okay, just because so the word "imagine" is in there. Yeah, <laughs> so we'll, we'll we'll scratch that. Uh, Queen in ah, 1982. Yes, yes, uh, yes. Made a song called "Life Is Real," mm -hmm. a song for Lennon. Mm -hmm. um, Elton John, along with Empty Garden, uh -huh. uh, did, a, did an instrumental yes. called The Man Who Never Died that was the B-side of his single Nikita. Wow. Uh, and oh, it, no, has... no. It, it was the mm -hmm. B-side of Wrapper Up, I think. Oh, okay. Oh, I think wow. maybe, maybe in England it was the B-side of Nikita. Okay. Because, and um, uh, it's, it's very much, it has 
very much the same feel as Song for Guy. Very much so. Yeah. yeah. Very moving. And, yes. You can tell it's a so. haunting melody. And... Yeah. yeah. And uh, supposedly there are lyrics that I, I assume Bernie wrote, but they've never surfaced anywhere. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. All you hear is, is really just the title. What's it called? Yeah. The Man Who uh, Never the man, Died. Yeah. The Man Who Never from Died. Elton John. Yeah. Yeah. And right. I understand he actually recorded that, I think, before Empty Garden. But he released it later. Really? Yeah. Uh, oh, yes. Yes. That's true. That's yeah. true. And, and the last one is uh, Bob Dylan, mm -hmm. who All right. he took him until 2013, right. but he, <laughs> he did, uh, and his album Tempest, mm -hmm. but he did a song called, uh, called Roll On John. Yeah. Right. I, I remember being very touched by the lyrics in there. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Okay. Joe? Well, <laughs> I don't have much to say, so that's that's good to get it over with with me. But now, look, uh, Empty Garden is my favorite John Lennon tribute. Oh, wow. includes Paul okay. and George. I like Empty Garden the best. Um, I don't know what it is about it. I think it, it, I mean it's really obviously touching and emotional. The lyrics are so are so you know heartfelt. But of course, Bernie Taupin wrote the lyrics to, to the songs and uh, Elton John wrote the music. And mm -hmm. I was just recently watching interviews with the two of them. You know, as much as I loved Elton John and Bernie Taupin together, I never really watched interviews. And I was, over the last few days, I've been doing that. So I thought, well, because, you know, Elton was such a, a personal friend, too, it, it actually uh, speaks volumes, too, more than if it was just somebody that, you know, liked John as music or something. This is mm. So that meant a lot to me. Uh, and of course, here today, you know, Paul's mm -hmm. song, I mean, the two of them loving each other as they did and being such friends for so long. That's su such a personal song. I mean, everybody's going to love, I, I would think, here today. Mm -hmm. um, I I've heard a lot of fan songs over the years, which none of them really grabbed me, you know, fan made uh, tunes. Mm -hmm. I can't remember any that I really was like, wow, you know, that touched me. But in, in keeping with... Uh, I was saying before, I'm sort of, I can relate to John Lennon a little bit in certain ways, saying what he wanted to and being, you know, coming and upsetting the apple cart. I was going to mention Roll on John uh, by Bob Dylan. I am a Bob Dylan fan. I really am. And mm -hmm. uh, I don't care for that particular song. So I'm going to name one that I don't care for, too. I'm surprised. First of all, it took him so long. Uh, you know, yeah, The Tempest. Exactly. I love, and I love The Tempest album. That is one of my favorite Bob Dylan albums of all, from the 60s to now. I, I think Tempest is a great album. But I'm so surprised that that song I don't care for. And, and I, I think the lyrics, you, you said you like the lyrics, uh, Ken. For mm. me, they're kind of cliched, you know, when you start name-checking and saying, like, let's, you know, come together. And I read the news today, oh, boy. Mm. And coming from, of all people, Bob Dylan? I mean, yeah. Yeah. come on, Bob, you're a genius with lyrics. Yeah. And I love Dylan. So I was a little disappointed in that song by Dylan. And other than that, um, I I have nothing else to say because I I don't know that many. I, I was looking up a few. I only found out. Uh, don't say any. No, that, uh, but Alan said that. <laughs> that, I won't say any more, any ones we haven't said. But uh, uh, Queen, I didn't know Queen had one. And, yeah. and I, had, yeah. I, I had read about it, and, and Al just mentioned it. Yeah. This all comes in handy for me because I do thematic sets on this. On oh, there you thing. go. So yes. Any songs uh, that I don't know about, I'm yeah. writing down here. Yeah. No wonder you there were you taking notes. Got him in the back yeah. and down he went. <laughs> <laughs> Something um, like that. <laughs> boy, 
I didn't know you had that hidden talent there, Joe. Oh, <laughs> I, I love Pay and Blood. You don't hear me. You want to hear me sing Pay and Blood off Tempest? Do you want yeah, to? That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you want me to sing it? It's almost the season. You want me to do some of Dylan's Christmas album for you? Oh. <laughs> no, no, that's all right. I don't think so. Must, don't think must so. be Santa. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. All right, Tom, you are next. Thank you. Ken, um, you know, I am not the biggest fan of when a band sounds Beatlesque in general. Sometimes yes, sometimes no. However, these two songs, it fits because they're tributes to John Lennon. And one is Life is Real, like uh, Al said. It's, I do believe musically, it's, 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 it's very uh, Beatlesque. And uh, the other one is called John Lennon by the Outfield. And and um, again, another one that's very Beatles sounding, especially with music and, and the vocals uh, during the verses. Uh, and I really just wanted to bring them up, too, because, you know, the, the singer Tony Lewis yes. uh, died a couple yes. of months ago. So I wanted to make sure I bring that up because the outfield was 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 a favorite band of mine during the 80s. But um, but good stuff. And then obviously, I mean, for me, I know, Joe, I know you're, you're your favorite one, but mine is is here today. Um, you know, I. I glad he didn't do as a series as a single i'm glad it was just an album track i mean it's it's, it's fine where it is on the album but um i love seeing paul do this live uh, but um you know having his you know best friend from from all those years ago doing doing a song for for john is you know i think is top notch and just the whole arrangement with the strings and the, yeah. and then you yeah. know yeah. um you know very yesterday-ish in that regard so, yeah kid how about you uh, I'm going to name two obvious ones and one that's a little bit of a, of a curveball. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I agree. I mean, Here Today is probably my favorite. I, I loved it before. I, I was so glad when, when Paul added it to uh, his concert set list. I loved it back when, you know, it was kind of just a you know an album track off of uh, Tug of War. I just thought it was beautiful. As you said, the arrangement perfect um and the and the lyrics were just so touching um you know simple mm. but but beautiful right. um you know just just really cuts to the the chase in terms of you know just captures their friendship beautifully mm. and, and if uh, I, excuse me if i could say it's also interesting how the approach that paul takes from it too for a conversation yeah he might have had as exactly. opposed to just saying right. you know you were this you were that or whatever it's kind of a what would you say you know if i yeah and and kind of the whole thing as he says at concert is you know always tell the people tell people you love them before it's too late yeah. right you know i mean that's that's what it comes down to so it's it's just beautiful uh also i have to give another vote to empty garden i love the lyrics to that too yeah, i love the yeah i just it's such a you know bernie Taupin. i mean he's just an incredible songwriter and just such beautiful metaphors about a gardener and and, and the, you know and, mm -hmm. and the gardener you know being away you know from the garden and the garden you know like not being tended well you know oh I mean, yes. it's, it's just, it's, it's heart-wrenching. And, and Elton John, I mean, you can just tell, I mean, he just sings it with such passion. Yeah, you know, you can, pain. yeah, you can There's just tell. Yeah. There is, you can hear yeah. the pain in his yeah. voice. I mean, you right. can just tell, I, I don't think he does perform that song very often. I read that somewhere. Only, that yeah. he, only at Madison difficult. Square Garden. Yeah, yeah. Mm, yeah. And, and you can see why. 
I mean, it's yeah. it, I, mm. I can't imagine what what that would be like. Emotionally. I, I find it I find it, you know, when you when you think about that, when when a friend has a friend pass away and they're a musician and they're singing about them, you know, I think about that and it's like that can't be easy. You no. know, like oh. you said, with with when when you hear, you know, Elton John's voice in that song, I mean, yeah, you're right. I mean imagine. You hear the anguish, you know, and that, you, you, know. you can hear it. I and, mean, and, just, and look, mm. Paul can't hold it together sometimes when he right. sings yeah. about the right. exactly. Again, the records. Yeah. Right. yeah, exactly. I mean, you can hear it. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and right, my last. Ball. Okay, here's the curveball. <laughs> uh, uh, God Part Two by YouTube. Ah, right. Oh, okay. Nice. Yes. Okay, I would consider that a tribute. Yeah, mm, I, I mean, know I know that. it's a little yeah. bit of a curveball, yeah. but you know, it's done in in a very you know obviously. Uh, in the same way as as God, I mean, it's, mm -hmm. it's structured in the same way. And then, of course, that that blistering verse against Albert yeah. Goldman, which I, yeah. I always enjoyed. That's instant, a good line. That's where that karma's going to get him line. if I don't yeah. get him first. Yeah. I love that. I heard that line, but I, didn't know, I don't know the song. Right. Yeah, the yeah. Line. The rest of the song, it's it's just kind of a you know patterned after. Right. Um, you know, and of course, yeah, Bono and the, the band were were you know huge fans of John Lennon's, yeah. and so that was definitely met as as a nod to him. And and, uh, and I love Larry Mullins drums on that too so i mean it's oh, just yeah. you can tell it's it's they mantis. were on top of their game there that was from the rattle and hum album right, and after, hum. Yeah, yes. right after the joshua tree mm -hmm. and exactly there was no band bigger at that point in time huge yeah. absolutely yep. absolutely so sure. yeah. all right good list from everybody uh my number one song uh, i'm agreeing with many of you has to be empty garden oh. um, and like you said kit the lyrics of that song are just it's the perfect marriage with the melody and um, the line, it's funny how one insect can damage so much grain. Yeah. That gets me every single time. Yeah, poetry. Um, you know, uh, he just said that roots go, grow stronger if only he could hear. You know, the, it's, it's such a moving song altogether. And like we just said, Elton's vocals on there, you can feel the emotion. You could feel the pain. It, what gets um, to me is when he says, and with every drop that falls... We hear your we name. Hear your name. That part yeah. is what gets me. <laughs> yeah, wow. I mean, you couldn't write better lyrics than that. You really couldn't. Um, I also have to give a nod to here today. I mean, sure. it's just so sure. so touching. Paul's tribute to John there, the whole arrangement of it all. He took a lot of time for that one at the right time when it was necessary. You right. knew that right after John died, everybody would be waiting to hear what he what he had to say. Right. Um, I want to throw out a few other songs, just a couple. Um, obviously, you have to mention all those years ago. I was really yeah. Yeah. yeah, you know, I, I love the song, um, and I love all the words in it too. You know, you were the one who had lectured me all those years ago. You know, there's there's so many great lines in that one, and I love the melody, and I love the guitar work from George, as I always do. But um, I'd like to mention a partial tribute song, which I think was a work of art. Um, the late great Johnny Ace, oh, yeah, yeah, Paul mm -hmm. Simon. from uh, Paul Simon. Yes. I think yes. it was so brilliant because he's dealing with three people, all named John, who all got shot to death. Right. You know, and just using the name Ace as though, you know, they were the best in their fields, that kind of right. thing. Right. Johnny Ace, the R&B singer, uh, you know, President Kennedy and John Lennon and how it's all juxtaposed in that song was so absolutely brilliant and that and, of uh, course poignant moment of when uh, we were do he was doing it live 
And someone oh. went on stage. Oh, and some got yes. Yeah. yeah. And that was real. For a while, I thought maybe that was kind of staged for effect. Oh. It was, it was real. Mm. Yeah. It's creepy. Yeah. Very. Yeah. And um, one more song I want to mention. And in a way, this is kind of cheating because <laughs> it wasn't written because John died. It was a tribute to John before he died, but it was released after he died. So it kind okay. of wow. carries that with it. It's a partial tribute that Michael Nesmith did called I'll Remember You. And yes. he mentions Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers in there and John and the Beatles, again, being the best in their fields, making the parallel there uh, with Fred and Ginger, you dance and you dance and you dance across the silver screen and with John and you sang and you sang and you sang in your submarine, you know? Oh. And um, it was really brilliant how he, he mixed the two together. But uh, it was never intended to be you know, a tribute for John after he died. So uh, Mike Nestor's of Monkey's Fame, really brilliant song. Check out all these songs if you never heard them on YouTube. Uh, all worth your while. Absolutely. All right. Great. So uh, I guess that puts an end to our show. Why don't we just give everybody our contact information and let us know what we're all doing. Um, Tom. Yeah, thanks. If we got another half hour here I'll, I'll try to get this <laughs> all, right, all right real quick real quick here's the uh, the two two dollar tour um uh two weeks ago we did a show with ethan alexanian our good friend from fans on the run we talked about the the 2013 album new uh last week we recorded <laughs> we recorded uh a show all a show all about uh the bruce McMouse show we were we recorded it while we were watching and we were kind of hoping that youtube would allow that since we had the volume down and you couldn't hear anything so but unfortunately uh youtube tagged it and we had to or, or andy had to uh, just put a picture of paul uh throughout uh, our conversation it was pretty much a commentary okay. and a review of the bruce mouse show and we got a lot of information from friend adrian sinclair who as we all know is working on the uh, mccartney legacy with our good buddy alan cozen um yesterday i had the wonderful wonderful privilege to talk to jerry Murata, who a lot of people know is yeah. was the the uh, the main drummer on the press to play album and man, the stories he told about Paul McCartney, uh, Peter Gabriel, Hall & Oates, Orleans, Elvis Costello, I mean, these were these are gold stories that I just can't wait till this this episode gets uh, put out. Um, and speaking of uh, Jeremy Murata and his performance on Press the Plate, if you want, go to YouTube and, and type in Pizza and Fairy Tales, and that's the bootleg for Press sure. the Plate, and you're going to hear the, that album stripped down to more to what uh, Jerry Murata and, you know, that how it sounded when he worked on it, because he wasn't there for the whole time. He was just there to record those initial 11 tracks. Um, so, good stuff there. And we also, on our YouTube channel, Two Legs, a Paul McCartney podcast, we also started a new series called Rank the Tracks, where we take uh, go album and album, and we rank all the songs, and it's been a lot of fun, and we've had a lot of uh, of uh, positive uh, feedback on that, except for Joe, and he wasn't really oh, happy. I love the show. I love. Uh, I can't wait for the wildlife. what I mean was where we where we put Admiral, where I put Admiral Halsey and Uncle Albert. He oh, wasn't really a fan. Number of seven. That. I'm sorry, I blew it. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, hey, let's just call it let's just call it fatigue of the song. Okay. I want to do it here, <laughs> but if, if Ken would, would would ever agree, I would love to do the rankings of so the songs here. Sure. Okay. <laughs> That'd be fun. Great. It's a group decision here. We're a democracy, like the exactly. People. Remember that. <laughs> That's, That's right. right. And if but one so, guy doesn't want to do it, yeah. But That's yeah, right. I mean, 
Andy and I have been doing a lot of fun with that. We're doing that weekly as well. So we're actually doing two shows a week now, which, um, you know, don't tell my wife because, you know, (laughs) (laughs) at the office, you have an office meeting. Yeah, right. Exactly. But uh, yeah, it's uh, email. Executive meeting. Exactly. That's a podcast at gmail.com. You can email us. You can find us on Facebook at two legs podcast, Instagram and Twitter at two legs podcast as well. And um, next. Oh, my. Uh, Joe, you're very good. You got to find a way to get, to get, the, get a line in there. <laughs> Joe, how about you? What's going on with well, you? Well, the beautiful part of me is it's always so quick. Uh, all, all I would ask you to do, said. if you like Beatles and solo Beatles and other kind of silly stuff uh, on the side, please subscribe to my YouTube channel, Mean Mr. Mayo. And as we said at the beginning of the show, I just hit 10,000 subs. And because of that, I did a contest. And there's still time to enter the contest. You just have to look at the video that talks about it. Um, just Has anybody late... got to the second stage yet? Um, no, well, I'm waiting till I get 10, 10 okay. people <laughs> that get it right. You'll see what yeah. I mean. You just have to watch the video to get the details. But if mm, you go to me, Mr. Mayo, and you just check out the... Go to the newest video and back up five or so. There's about four <clears> or five videos ago, and you'll see it. The 10,000 subs contest. Okay. Can any of us win? Uh, I don't remember you. <laughs> ent- can or did or did you? I don't remember you entering. Uh, <laughs> but well, I can't. I just want to know. Found it. But I can't. I but I did. But but that's it. I can't do it again. Then right? No. no. Okay. Only one All shot. Right. All right. Oh, okay. All, All right. right. <laughs> Al, if people want to get in touch with you, let them know how and tell us well, what's uh, new on the horizon. Okay, well, this is the the current issue of Beetle Fan Magazine. Who is that on the cover, though? That it would be John Lennon, as a matter of fact. If you can see it, there we go. There, have it, have it actually on screen. And uh, what? And inside uh, is the second part of my my look at the um, the amazing afterlife of the Beatles as a group over the last fifty years. Oh wow! Interesting and. Uh, the uh, the the next issue will be out right around the holidays, and uh, I have there the first part of been doing a lot of writing this year, you know. <laughs> so so I know I, I you know it's I, I know what Paul's been going through you know creatively. You've been uh-huh. writing rock <laughs> rock down, right? Rock yeah, down. exactly, <laughs> exactly. Rock down. Yeah. But rock down. but in the yeah. uh, the next issue will be the first part of a of a look at. Um, at how Beetlefan covered the entire anthology project from the the settling of the uh, the EMI lawsuits all the way to the release of the DVD set wow. of the of the anthology and and in doing the research uh, I found out a couple of things about uh, Her Majesty. Um, oh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, back in in '94. Um, I, uh, oh, this a man, this Her Majesty. Yeah. Yes. This. Oh. Yes. Okay. Yes. Is, is this your expose? Your, your Majesty. Of yes. <laughs> <laughs> <Tough> crowd. Uh, <laughs> found out a couple of things in 1994. Uh, I did um, uh, a point counterpoint type of uh, piece on. Um, on whether 
whether the appeal of Beatles music was going to continue through through the generations. Little did I know of what would be what would be ahead. Um, and um, the counterpoint was by one Kid O'Toole. Wow. And who uh, basically looked at it from the perspective of Generation X. Right. You know, Excellent. And their ability yeah. to, to be a uh, Beatles fan. And two years later, right in the middle of the whole of the whole anthology releases, uh, Bill put uh, put the word out uh, asking for a, because the you know the, the internet Beatles phenomenon if you want to put it that way mm. had really kind of begun so he put the word out asking for volunteers for somebody to write about the internet uh for beetle fan and much as back in 79 i had answered the call for a new york correspondent uh kit answered uh answered the call and uh, did her wow. her first uh her first yep. hard days net column which means that this spring she will have been doing hard days net for 25 years oh my god wow. <laughs> and yeah. i just turned in my column today yeah. <laughs> my latest column wow and she started when yeah. she was two yeah, <laughs> yeah. just about good answer joe just about. good answer and, my uh, god oh. that's amazing that is yeah. amazing this wow this calls for a celebration Yes. Yeah, really. Yeah. Got the I'm gonna celebrate. Yeah. I'll have to, uh, yeah, I'll have to when the when the uh, when the yeah. time comes. Clear I'll the field. I have to remind you, folks. Yep. Absolutely. Oh, okay. oh and then, wow, that as, is really and, cool. And then, as mentioned earlier, Bruce Spicer's "Let It Be" book is out, and uh, as was the case with uh, the the White Album book and the Abbey Road book and the Sgt. Pepper book, I have a chapter. Uh, in here, um, uh, it touches on the Beatles somewhat, but it deals more with the news of 1970. So okay. there's, you know, Apollo, Apollo 13, Kent State, things like that, and a lot, and a lot more. It's so, a great book. It is really yeah. worth it. It's, it's, yeah, really, yeah, just top, top tier people are right for it. Al, Pierce Hemmingson. And uh, yeah. well, Bruce, uh, of course, put together. Right. He wants Bill, K- <laughs> Bill King, yeah, Daniels, great, great book. It's like it's like a team. Yep, wow. the A team. Yeah, <laughs> very Toast. good. You are an '80s person. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> all right, we're going to save the best for last, which means Kit. She's going to have all the all the contact information about us. Yes. So I just want to let uh, let you know about a few things. Again, special contest starting Thursday on my website to win John and Yoko, Plastic on Band, the new coffee table book. Um, just go to KenMichaelsRadio.com. Homepage leads to my special contest page, and you know how to win. It's really easy to win. Also, um, I have a brand new YouTube channel, which started about two months ago. In the last two weeks, I've had the chance to interview Mark Hudson, for several reasons, because Mark uh, produced the brand new Joey Molland album from Badfinger called Be True to Yourself. And the end of last year, he produced a posthumous album for Harry Nilsson called Lost and Found with uh, some of Harry's lo- uh, last compositions. So he produced that. And we talked a lot about working with Ringo, specific songs from Ringo's solo catalog. 
that he worked on there. And there was a lot of Beatle talk that he threw in as well. And constantly mentioning how John Lennon was his biggest influence. Wow. So that's on my uh, YouTube page. And just a few days ago, I interviewed a guy that Tom interviewed yes. with Andy on Two Legs. That's Owen Ling. And Talented he, man. He is a freelance writer who has written for the Irish Times, We Are Cult, Record Collector. And not long ago, he wrote an article about John's Walls and Bridges album and how he felt that it was his best solo album. So as soon as I read that, I said, got to interview this guy. <laughs> so uh, they're both on my YouTube page, Ken Michaels Radio. Check that out. There's four interviews on there now. Joey Mullen was the first. Ashley Khan was the second. Then you've got, um, as I said, Mark Hudson and now Owen Ling. And please subscribe to uh, my channel. Uh, the last show on Things We Said Today, which was last week, was a 50th anniversary, All Things Must Pass show with uh, Darren DeVito and Alan Cozen. Our next one coming out next week will be a 40th anniversary of Double Fantasy. There's oh. all these anniversaries, yeah. you know, and um, yeah, that'll be next week. And also I did another recording with um, Sam Wiles for his yeah. podcast called Paul or Nothing. Oh, yeah. And um, we had a conversation. I came up with this idea. What are the top three things we admire and love about Paul McCartney? And at the same time, what are our top three criticisms of Paul McCartney? Wow. And that's, that's already up now on the internet. Again, the name of his podcast is called Paul or Nothing. And apart from that, don't forget Beatles Trivia every single week on my website. Uh, Beatles trivia and games page. Click on the link for that. You can win one out of 10 great prizes every single week. Very often, Kit's book is there. So uh, <laughs> you got to have that to your collection. Yeah, I yeah. have it. Yep. yep. It's somewhere <laughs> back I'm, there. I'm in the clear. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So as I said, saving the best for last. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, I... Um... Just a couple of days ago, I uh, the episode just went up. I appeared on a um, friend of our show, uh, Marv Quibble's uh, Pods Like Us. Mm -hmm. And uh, we had a fun conversation um, about uh, podcasting itself, but uh, also we went into a conversation about uh, what makes music timeless. Um, and, and we uh, ended up going in all different directions with that. It was a lot of fun, a lot of fun. So um, it, you can go uh, onto uh, Podbean and look uh, look up uh, Pods Like Us. I'll have a link on my page and I'll put one on uh, the Talk More Talk page as well. I think you'll really enjoy it. My uh, Beatles gift guide, holiday gift guide, will be coming up very soon. I'm working, cool. uh, working on it right now. I've compiled everything, so now I'm just getting everything uh, together and, and writing it up. And so that will be up very soon for your gift, uh, you know, gifts for others and gifts for yourselves, of course. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, and I know I mentioned this last time, but there's still time to sign up for my history of Motown class, which uh, starts yes. January 28th. Yep. And, uh, and I recommend that you sign up because these do fill up. Um, uh, the adult ed classes that Monmouth University offered um, in, uh, I think it was like September and October, they did sell out. So, uh, so I encourage you to sign up uh, when you can. Uh, and uh, I have the link to that on uh, my Facebook page. I will also 
again put a link on talk more talk as well so uh, so i hope you'll sign up for that it's three nights and uh, and it's going to be the history of the label and lots of music lots of fun it's it's going to be i i think a great great time uh if uh you want to get in touch with us uh you can reach us uh of course on our facebook page uh talkmoretalk.com you can email us at uh talkmoresolotalk at gmail.com you can find us on twitter at talk uh, talk more talk one that's the number one um and you can find us on youtube and please subscribe we're try, trying to get up to a hundred subscribers so in the thousand sorry about that i'm trying to get to a hundred <laughs> subscribers you gotta crawl before you can walk that's right that's right so we're trying to get up to a thousand subscribers so uh, so please head over and, and uh, subscribe. Uh, and of course, you can find us anywhere you get your uh, podcasts. We're on virtually every platform you can think of. So as always, tell your friends, tell your enemies, tell your neighbors. So, shall we do a thousand subscriber contest? Yeah, maybe we should. We'll have to talk about We've sort of talked about that before. Yeah. So we'll, we'll okay. have to discuss that. So, and remember, our next episode is December 21st. That's right. McCartney 3. That's, everybody's going to want to be there for that. McCartney 3. Yep. From start to finish, nothing yes. but McCartney 3. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sure everybody's heard it by now. So, Tom and Joe will show you their entire collection of every vinyl I'll, and I'll CD. have them all hanging yeah. up on the wall. <laughs> oh, I'm only going to have like two or three out of the ten. I think at some point, both of you are going to have your own Beatles museum. Yeah. <sighs> yep. You have to charge people to go and visit. It'll happen. At this rate, it's going to be a lot sooner than we expect. I need a bigger place. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> All right. So this has been fantastic. I hope for you sure. like this John Lennon tribute. Yes. Uh, thanks to all of you. Thank you, Al, for joining us. You know you're welcome. Anytime. Thanks, Al. Anytime. Good man. Uh, how yeah, about, it was, it was how about tomorrow night? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, what? <laughs> I'm sure you'll be back in the new year. Yes, Four away, my host. Four away, my host. All right. So thanks to all of you for watching tonight. Oh. And uh, as I said before, John, wherever you are, you are here. Okay? Uh, how you doing, You're Johnny? You're here with us always. Okay? Thanks so much. We'll see you next time. What?